Yeah, is this, um, you're gonna, you're gonna go out with this guy? I mean, is this, you know, like, a date or something? Yeah. I mean, you'll like him. He's not like the other guys. Seriously. No, 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 what? Damn it! You really pissed me off, you know, because, because, you know, they get all over everybody, including you. I just, I can't believe you'd be this stupid. On me. I'm not going to let anybody well, on me. He's just, he's going to use your ass and throw you away. God, I would have died for you. So what am I supposed to do? He asked me out and I like him. If I hate him because he's got money, just listen to me. If I hate him because he's got money, that's the exact same thing as them hating us because we don't. Do you understand? You can't do this and, and respect yourself. You, 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 you can't. Well, I'll make that decision, all right? Sure, you can, you can do what you want. You know, you're talking like that just because I'm going out with Blaine. Blaine? His name is Blaine? Oh, that's not the major appliance. That's not a name. Just because I'm going out with Blaine doesn't mean I can't be friends with you. I mean, it doesn't change the way I feel about you. Oh, that's very nice. I'm, I'm glad. Here's, here's the point, Annie. I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned with whether or not you like me. Because I live to like you, and, and, and I can't like you anymore. So, so when you get your heart splattered all over hell and, and you're feeling really low and dirty, don't, don't look to me to help pump you back up, because cause, cause, cause maybe for the first time in your life, I won't be there. I can't believe you're actually saying this. Well, I guess that's just tough. Sorry. Sorry. It's only a matter of time. Hi, hello. It's like that Breakfast Club speech that we did a while back. Eventually, we'll get to the entire John Hughes Uber. Uh, hello, it's three minutes and 38 seconds after the hour of 11, and this, the month of January, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. I am he. Thank you for uh, joining us today. It is 503-733-2970. If you would like to uh, get on board with your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you, your odds or ends. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Before I go any further, before I give out the email address, before we tease anything, before we talk about what else is coming up, before I wave this sheaf of papers in your general direction, I should say that, and I haven't watched it yet, but apparently, well, I knew it was going to happen, but I wasn't there when it happened, and I haven't seen the aftermath yet. But I do know that the Cobra whiskey was consumed last night. That's all I know. I know that, and I know who drank it. And attention, Susan Reynolds, it did not happen on CBS property. It didn't happen here. It didn't happen at the station. It didn't happen anywhere near here. So uh, you don't need to worry about somebody. Somebody developed some weird kind of zombified brain parasite. It's not on us, as they say. So somebody did, and by somebody I mean Richie, did uh, drink the Cobra whiskey last night. And I guess there's video footage of it, which I have not watched. I haven't seen it. I know it exists, and I think it's going to be posted if it's not already. Uh, and we'll have Richie himself in to discuss that in a second. So if for everybody who wonders about the Cobra whiskey, and, it, and I think it was the one that had a scorpion in it, too. That's the effed up thing about it. I don't think it was the one with the, the cobra and the, and the garter snake. I think it was the one with the cobra and the scorpion. It was the scorpion. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the already opened one, then? Yes, it was. Oh. 
So not only... So not only... Because Richie doesn't even know who opened it. Sitting there going stale and bad. Remember that he said he just air. left that bottle on the bar yes. at some like hippie party? And he came back and it was open? Yep, and somebody drank out of it. Yeah. Your funeral, friend. Uh, all right, so we'll uh, talk about the Cobra whiskey consumption here in just a short while. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, who is incredibly hungover today, by the way, which should come as no shock to anybody, uh, is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, and the mundane, doing all of this through a cloud of alcohol-induced pain. So uh, be sure to yell really loudly when he picks up the phone. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. So we'll bring Richie Bristol in sooner rather than later to talk about that because it's a busy program today. Uh, we have uh, uh, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us today. I think he's already in New Hampshire, actually. I might be wrong about that. Yes, he is. He's in Concord. Tim, is it Concord or Concord? Concord. 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 Sorry. He's in Concord. I'm not going to do it because I'll just sound like a tool. He's in Concord, New Hampshire, so we will talk People to People with East Coast accents are not tools. No, 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 no. I'm saying, no. I'm not saying, let's not get off on the wrong paw here. I'm saying that I would sound, because then I'd sound like every bad comedian going, I parked my car in the yard. And I just, you know, it's like, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, see, because you can pull it off convincingly, you know, because you're from there and it sounds fine, natural, and, you know, suave in a certain sort of way, I would just sound uh, like a bad Robin Williams impression, so we're not going to do that. Well, all right. So, Steve Kastenbaum is in uh, Concord, New Hampshire, uh, today, uh, because the primaries are bearing down on us like a freight train full of clowns, so we'll get to that. Uh, I, we're not going to be able to talk to Lisa today because she's, I think she's already been up for like 28 hours or something. And then she's got to try to get uh, some Z's because they're going to be counting all the caucus returns into, I don't know, late tonight. Uh, it's all very exciting if you're me. Uh, if you're not me, you'll listen anyway because Richie's going to talk about Cobra Whiskey, and that should be a fair trade, I think. Uh, what else? Howard Rodman from the Writers Guild of America. Uh, will be joining us today. And we're going to find out whether Jay Leno uh, broke the Writers Guild uh, He's a scab. rules last night by writing something. Scab, scab, scab. <laughs> fix his red wagon. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, uh, Howard Robin of the Writers Guild today. Brittany Watch today. Clergy Watch. A double. Yes, I said a double hick watch. Uh, and... Um, I don't know, and a bunch of crap that's, uh, that's sort of accrued in the last day or so that we're going to try to get through today. So there you go. It's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley is also working on the following stories for your edification on this uh, Tuesday. Thursday. Thursday. No, Damn, it man. seems like. It does feel like Tuesday. I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but I really want the week to be over just so Monday can be here so I can reset. reset. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I can't. It feels like we're kind of running on empty for some reason. I don't really I can't. I don't know what's happening. I do, you know what it is? I feel untethered. I feel unmoored inside my own head. Like, I can't... I don't have any bearings. It, it's not that my bearings are off today. They're just... I am bearingless. Like ball bearings? Exactly. It's like... I, I just don't... I, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I had to stop and think about what month it was. And it's not just because we flipped the year. It's because, again, as we said yesterday, we, our sleeping and work schedules, which I think most people don't even really realize this, those are the two things by which everything in your head is calibrated, uh, are, have been screwed for two weeks now. So anyway, so come Monday, we'll know what we're doing. Today, we're just going to uh, today we're gonna puzzle through it as best we can, my friends. Uh, anyway, so Tim is working on the following stories today. Fourteen people are injured in Scapoose after a converted school bus loses a wheel. 
Hundreds hold candlelight vigils statewide as same-sex partnerships were put on hold here in Oregon. All because some hillbillies came in for another state. They simply don't have enough people causing those problems here. Carpetbaggers. Carpet is what they are. Go back to Tennessee. Need your grits. Uh, Brittany loses another lawyer. Nickelodeon stands to lose millions, millions in merchandising and DVD proceeds if they cancel Zoe 101 <laughs> just because Jamie Lynn, uh, Spears is pregnant. Therefore, they will not. Uh, Mitt Romney has spent $45 million on his campaign so far. $20 million of that he took out a loan for himself out of his own money. So, uh, yeah, $45 million, so which isn't too bad. Because if you consider that Michael Huffington spent $30 million running for uh, the Senate in California and losing. And lost. And lost. But his wife yeah, became she, the shining star you know, in that relationship. You know, the thing about it, Ariana Huffington is the phoenix who rose from her husband to ashes. Yeah, whatever happened to Michael Huffington? You know, I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Um, in Santa Barbara. I can actually tie this into yesterday. We were talking to Lisa Desjardins. Yes, I can tie this into Mike Huckabee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Huckabee, his campaign is being managed by a guy named Ed Rollins. Mm-hmm. Ed Rollins is a political strategist who used to work for uh, Lee Atwater back in the Reagan era. Anyway, Ed Rollins, who was running Mike Huckabee's campaign, and by the way, who wrote a brilliant book about American politics called Bare Knuckles in Back Rooms, uh, which he just talks about being a campaign strategist. Ed Rollins, who is running Huckabee's campaign, ran the Huffington campaign in California. Uh, and he has it. You, you want to? If you are interested, if you if you sort of lived through that whole thing, and you want a, 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 an inside view of how that Michael Huffington campaign just came apart at the seams, I'll give you this book to read by Ed Rollins, and he just talks about just the insane frustration that he felt. With Michael Huffington would just ignore every piece of advice he was given, would ignore every piece of strategy he was given, and was just convinced that the more money he funneled into his campaign, the surer his prospects for winning became. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. But it's not about money. No, of course. Tell us. No. Uh, so, yeah, so Michael Huffington imploded, and then his wife was ascendant, and somehow then became a liberal over the last few years. Yeah. I don't know how that happened either. She was this weird sort of Leona Helmsley figure, and now she's the shining star of the left. Mm-hmm. So, well, whatever. She's still hot. Um, so, she kind of looks like an older Kate Winslet. I've always thought that about Ariana Huffington. She's got, like, like she and Kate Winslet could play, you know, younger and older versions of each other. Uh, or she could become a televangelist wife. And I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, uh, let's see. And there we go. Uh, Join the day as always by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Are your fingernails green or blue? They Is that new? Been. No. I'm an unobservant man. I'm sorry. When did you get that done? <laughs> like three weeks ago. Never mind. Moving on. It's how was okay. your night? It was it was actually really well. There's this new, I'm such a dork, and I know this now. And you know what? It was my karma for making fun of you for playing video games last night. Mm-hmm. I literally spent two hours with Chris last night um, playing that Lost game, because they, they have this new... For what? For what system? Is it for the this, computer or for... No, no, it's, it's on the internet. So um, it's this new web, this new viral marketing campaign that they're doing, and they're, they have a new chapter that opens up every day. I know, it's so nerdy. So now you were making fun of me for uh, spending a lot of time playing video games, and I noted that it was no different than spending a lot of time watching TV, and now you are actually playing a video game based on a TV show. So no, but it's, it's not a video game. No, it's just an interactive website uh-huh. where you can go to and complete chapters. And is, only... That's different from a game how? And then you can leave voicemails. Like, you know how you heard that oh, the Oceanic Airlines had that billboard? Uh, no, there's two of them, actually. There's one on McLaughlin and there's one on MLK. Yeah, and so they have like this full um, like press pack that you can mm-hmm. download. You can call and leave messages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally called and left a message. Do you want to hear what, the, what it sounds like? Yes. And, but let me just make this observation. And don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not making fun of viral marketing or loss. Squid and I are both I... nerds that we've been going back and forth about it. Now, look, you know that you're among friends here. You, there's nothing to be ashamed of for this. I, 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 immersion in pop culture is 
That is uh, that is the birthright of every American. So I have no problem with that. I really don't. And I also don't have any problem. Even though I, and I don't dislike the show Lost, even though I just sort of drifted away from watching it, I will tell you this. That is genius. Lost has been marketed more brilliantly than I think probably any show in the history of America. They have whole website where you go in and, so on that billboard it says, you know, it just looks like a real um, airline. And it right. says, go to flyoceanicare.com. So you go there and you see this thing where it looks like an advertisement for Oceanic Air and then it starts to like be interspliced with um, this guy who's like, you know, I lost my, you know, I lost somebody who was important to me right. in the airline. I'm really frustrated because now they're going to stop looking for them. Right. So this, you know, the entire first three seasons, you see it from the perspective of everyone on the island. Now you actually see the people who are trying yeah. to find them. That's like at the end it of the season so three when they did the flash forward. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And you're like, oh my god, it's a dog. Yeah, totally. So I'm watching it, and at the very end of the ad, it just like flashes this <laughs> website, and it's like find815.com. Uh-huh. And you go on there, and it's all of this guy's research, and you can go through like, oh god, I'm oh, such no, a no, no, dork. It's fine. And then you can also call the air, um, Oceanic Air. Are we gonna play that? Hi, you've reached Georgia, Kavanaugh, and Oceanic Airlines, taking you places you've never imagined. We've had an unprecedented response to our return to service. Please leave your name and number, and we'll try to get back with you shortly. Also, check out our new website beginning December 31st at flyoceanicair.com. Thank you. Oh, that's fantastic. Did you leave a message? I left a message. What did you say? Come on, I don't even want to talk to you. Tell me. Tell me. No, you gotta tell I feel me. so stupid. You no, tell me. I don't even want to talk you about it. You've got to tell me. You have to tell me. You can't bring it up and not tell us. Please. No, I just Tim is my, asking. I just left my name Please. and my phone number. That's all Please, I Sarah, I, I love phone. your show. Please. I know. I'm such a... Let's see, can I just tell you, and again, I'm not so, poking okay. fun. But you should totally play on the website because it is fascinating. Here is how brilliant uh, the folks at Lost are. Uh, and it almost is separate from the television show. In other words, if the television show's good, great. If the television show's bad, great. doesn't matter. The marketing for this is... I mean, and I don't mean this figuratively. Literally, this is right. They will be writing the book on this someday. If it's not in the works already, there will be some sort of one of those corporate books, like everything I need to know about business I learned from the Romulans, or you know, the sort of, you know, like like the Klingon way, or those weird sort of pop culture business books. Somebody's probably right now writing a guerrilla marketing book all about Lost, extrapolating everything out from there. Because think about this: you have actually, you are actually now. Spending time and investing your own time and resources in terms of the time you have online and your internet connection, you are actually now putting your time and money and resources for the chance to advertise their product to other people. Because that's what this is all about. No, and it has all these interactive games where, like, you're looking at it from the perspective of this guy looking for his girlfriend who was a flight attendant on the flight that disappeared. And so you can go through all of this. Like, he starts getting these emails from an unknown source, and they're, like, hidden messages. It's so nerdy. The thing about this is, here's how this has actually gone from just a viral marketing success to a viral marketing phenomenon, in that the thing about viral marketing is that, in most cases... It can only succeed if people don't really realize it's an ad. Mm-hmm. In other words, if it's like uh, you know, if it's like an underground thing, or it's a thing that doesn't explicitly mention the product, or it's a thing that only casually references whatever business it is about. In other words, people aren't really supposed to know that it's tied into a particular product or service or television show. This is so good that people go there, and everybody knows it's for loss. Nobody goes there thinking it's a real airline. Nobody goes there thinking that it's like a real voicemail. Everybody knows that it's for loss, but it's so well done and so carefully constructed and well-crafted that they just leap head and shoulders into it. It's fantastic. Oh, it's genius, and yeah. plus it's been so over, you know, loss has been so overly saturated with all of the characters that you see on this island time and time again. Yeah. They've completely 
really not even talked about those characters. Instead, they're taking it from a completely different approach from a guy you've never seen talking about a flight attendant that you've never seen. It, Tim had made this observation about radio. The radio, it, it, it's not just radio. But all media now more than ever before is a cross-platform thing. Everything is multimedia. Every And I know that's a catchphrase that people use and it gets burned out, but everything is about you know, different channels of distribution now. Yeah. So. And there is no iPod fatigue. No. As claimed. <laughs> no, Tim, people are leaving their uh, their iPods. They're throwing them away. They are. They're coming back to music radio. All right. So, I'm so. sick of choosing my own music. <laughs> I want it done for me. <laughs> I want to hear the same 300 songs. <laughs> I'm tired. I, I yearn for the glorious days of a 275-song catalog. I haven't heard Hang On Sloopy five times today, and I'm extremely disappointed. Well, I'm looking for the power gold category in my iPod. Where's my recurrent folder? Uh, you know, right. and just bottom line, the people at Lost Regis, because they got me, instead of going out last night, I stayed in. Oh, yeah. I played a stupid Absolutely. computer thing. That's like, yeah. No, That's I'm, success. I'm with you. Uh, all right. We're going to bring Richie in a second and talk about his consumption of the Cobra whiskey. And then we will talk about uh, Jay Leno last night. I think I'm probably the only person in the room who watched it, because really, why would you? I mean, I only watched it. It really was, and I'm not trying to be flip about this. It really was work in the truest sense. I'm not saying it was like working at, a, at like a... You know, like a screwdriver factory. Uh, it, but really, there was no reason for me to watch Jay Leno. And in fact, it was ex- every single moment of it. Thank God for the T-Bar. It would have been like just driving nails into my feet. Uh, the last time I watched it was the last day on the old Carson set before they moved to the new one. Right, yeah. I thought that would be the night to watch. Before Helen Kushnick had everything raised yeah. and destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched Leno last night. which was And the thing about Leno is, because he, Leno, Conan, Craig Ferguson, and Letterman all came back last night. Uh, Craig Ferguson, who's actually pretty good, and David Letterman both had their writers, so it was... I didn't even bother to watch Letterman. Have you, you got some Letterman sound later or something? Yes. All right, because I didn't even watch Letterman because I figured, let, A, you know it's going to be good, so that's less interesting in a way. B, he came back with his writers, so it's not really going to be that different than the previous show, except he's got that weird Al Gore beard thing going on. Uh, I wanted to watch Leno to see if it just if the, if the wheels totally and completely came off the wagon. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Leno is... It wasn't that it was bad so much as it was just unbelievably tedious and bland. But then you realize that that's kind of his leitmotif anyway. And, and so it was sort of indistinguishable from the pre-strike Leno show in that there was, it was just like a big bowl of lukewarm shredded wheat. You know what I mean? Like shred, It was like grape nuts that had been left in the sun all day. Just kind of just a whole lot of textureless mush going right into your brain. He's an older Ryan Seacrest. He really is. Uh, and his jokes are terrible. And I don't know if this is a thing. And please, let's not have a long, long, long discussion about the evolution and progress of the Jay Leno program. But I don't know if this is a thing they've done forever. But the band was doing, uh, it, like, like full-on straight-up rim shots behind his jokes. Oh, no. You know, the, sir, do we have a rim shot for people who don't know who that is? You know, like the... Uh, yes, we do. You know, like the... Uh, I went to the doctor and I couldn't pay my bill, so he gave me another six months to live. Yeah. That behind every joke Leno did. And I don't know if it's a thing that they just did last night, you know, sort of kookily, like like ironically, because he was back and he was writing his own material, which we'll get to in a moment. Well, he's the, he's the kind of guy that a parent would hire to, like, make balloon animals at a kid's birthday party. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, so they were doing these rim shots behind all his jokes, his jokes, which were terrible. Just, I mean, even, even by Jay Leno standards, the jokes were terrible. Uh... So I, I have a few observations here that we'll make about Leno, and then we'll bring Richie in. Um, so he came out, and, he, boy, his audience is just, I mean, just 
Uh, I mean, the amount of mouth breathing that goes on that in an audience could fill a platoon of hot air balloons. Um, but so he comes out and he does his whole, um, his whole, you know, with the writer strike and blah, 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 talking up high, wait on low, and he that whole that whole thing. And the difference between Leno and Letterman is this. Not that everything has to be serious and not that you always have to, like, give people the big maudlin message or whatever. But the difference between Leno and Letterman is that Leno is a comedian. Leno's a stand-up comedian, not a very good one. Whereas Letterman is, in the truest sense of the word, a broadcaster. Which is why when they did, when they both did those post-9-11 shows, Letterman was fantastic and Leno sounded like it had been put together by a focus group. So it was last night because what I wanted is for Leno to come out and just get... Because Leno, what does he care? I mean, he's rich. He's independently wealthy. He, he, you know, he's retiring from the show anyway. The next year's his last year regardless. So I, it, Leno, at this point, has nothing to fear from the network. So I wanted him to come out and just lay down, uh, you know, the, lay down what his opinion was and just tell us what he thought about the writer's strike and just say, look, this is why I'm back and whatever. And really, he didn't ever do that. Uh, every time he would veer towards any discussion of the writer's strike, he would just turn it into a joke. Uh, or he would do some, like, family guy cutaway gag where, like, the lighting crew was like a fat guy holding a flashlight. And it wasn't very... And it, it, there was no calories, no red meat in that at all. Um, so he does his uh, he does his stand-up routine, during which he mentions several times, quote, I wrote this monologue myself. And as we've now found out, the Writers Guild is now saying that he may have broken the Writers Guild rules by writing something. Because I guess the Writers Guild rules say that during the time of a strike... You cannot write any... No writing can be done by a Writers Guild member on a project that would normally be the province of Writers Guild members. In other words, if the job is normally done by the Writers Guild and there's a strike, no Writers Guild person can do that job. So even writing for himself, they're saying, he might have broken the Writers Guild. So it'll be interesting to see if they hold his feet to the fire on that. Uh, the big thing from Leno last night is that Mike Huckabee is there. And... Boy, you talk about a guy. I made some notes to myself. First note, bland, 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 freaking bland. Just so textureless. He's like a bowling ball. Just no edges, no rough, nothing to grab onto. Mike Huckabee is just the most unbelievably... Un he's like... He's like Kevin Costner, where there's just nothing there. There's just no texture. I'm sorry? What's more American than that? I suppose. As I always said about Kevin Costner, he's just a big glass of warm water. There's a whole lot of nothing there. Um, Mike Huckabee, and please don't take any offense at this, Tim Riley, but Mike Huckabee is like uh, some poorly made vegan fare. Um, he's, I'm, I'm saying he is like some of the bad vegan food where you're, you know, if you don't really pay attention to it, you know, it feels like meat, tastes like meat, the texture's like meat, but your brain, it can kind of sense that there's nothing there. Like you can, there's some sort of gut sense, some sort of sixth sense intuition that you have telling you that there's really nothing there that you care about. That's what it is with Mike Huckabee. And he says everything right. He comes across as very smooth. He seems like a charming, personable, just folks kind of guy. But, I mean, you just, there's just no weight to that. There's no punch. He doesn't stick to you at all. Um, let's see. What else? Um... This is very indicative of both Leno's audience and, uh, and Mike Huckabee last night. They do this Q&A from the audience. First, uh, the first audience question is to Jay Leno asking if he'll ever bring his fine program to Branson, Missouri. So that tells you what you need to know about the Jay Leno show. Um, Mike Huckabee's intro music, you know when he comes, you know, when a guest comes out on stage at Letterman or Leno, the band plays a little instrumental vamp for them to walk to the couch to? This is, um, this is the fine hand of political machination at work. Mike Huckabee's entrance music is Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, because, no. because he's one of you. He is one of the common clay of the New West. Which leads me to this question. 
Tim Riley, and then Sarah Dillon. If you were to be a guest on a late night television program, what would you choose for your intro song to be as played by the band? Go. Oh, that doesn't give me enough time. I know, seriously. Okay. You've, you've had all night to think about this, and you spring it on us? To be fair, I've been thinking about that regarding myself for about ten years, and I still have no answer. So. Okay, well, that makes all me right, feel there better. There you go. Uh, let's see. And finally... They go, and then we'll move on to Richie and the Cobra whiskey drinking, and then we'll get these phone calls, and then we'll break, and we'll come back with Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, they go to a break on the Leno show. Now you're going to think about the I song know, question. I know, now I can't stop thinking I've about been it. thinking about it for like a decade, honestly. It's just a thing that I thought about once when I was like 20, and it's never left my brain since. Um, so they go to a break on the Leno show last night. Mike Huckabee, who flew there from Iowa, uh, because he is deciding that that's sort of the way to reach the great unwashed, he goes to the Leno show. The Leno show goes to a break last night. Prepare cringe reflex. They come back from a break. And, of course, Mike Huckabee is rocking out with the band. <laughs> no. Yes. No. He is over there. Is so wrong. He is over there holding his axe. Dressed in a three-piece suit, by the way. Dressed in the, or not the three, but, you know, with the suit and tie. The three-piece, does that mean a vest? Yes. Okay, no vest, man. But he's dressed, you know, he's a suit and tie. He's dressed like a politician. And a balding white guy politician at that over there rocking out with the band, oh holding God. his Stratocaster. Like, rocking back and forth in unison with one of the guys in the band? Yes, he is. He, is uh, he and the band leader are in sync together. They're cutting heads. So now this is an obvious question for everybody who has two brain cells to rub together. Mike Huckabee is, of course, a balding middle-aged white guy. What form of music is he playing? Jimmy Buffett. No, well, that's a good guess. That's a really good guess. It's a little too specific, though. No, no, no. What genre of music? Does every balding white guy think that he really deeply understands? Fleetwood Mac. See, these are all really good guesses. No. Well, like 70s rock. It's the blues. The blues? Oh, no. It's the no. blues. They come back from a break, and Mike Huckabee, who's like the whitest guy you have ever seen in your life, is playing the blues. As only a white balding politician can on the Jay Leno program. So there you go. Good times had by none. Uh, all right, let's get these uh, phone calls, and we'll talk to Richie, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey. Hey, what's up? <laughs> well, uh, this is kind of cool, because I just found this. It was a random thing. I was looking for uh, I was looking for, for bad karaoke on uh, MySpace, so I could put it on my page. Just yes. Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I come across this band, which actually has a really cool song. It would be great entrance music for a uh, presidential candidate. Okay. And they are called Karaoke Tell Death. Uh huh. Out of Germany, and it's just uh, well, you got to hear it, but it's really bizarre. Wait, are they a karaoke band? They're not a karaoke band, but uh, they they use the word in their name. Okay. But yeah, they don't do covers and stuff. But it's just this, uh, basically it's like two minutes of this guy screaming in a falsetto rock and roll. Is it clean? It's clean. Yeah. All right, do me a favor, send me the link. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, first off, a PSA. When you call in, don't talk loud to Richie. Oh, my gosh, he sounds bad. Yeah, no, Richie is hurting today. He is not. He came in, uh, and Richie's a man who likes his tipple, as they say. Uh, but Richie came to my office today, and he was, I, I, I'm not saying he's still drunk now. He just, it hurts to stand up correctly, I think. Uh, and so he was weaving his way into my, he stood in the doorway, swaying back and forth like a palm tree. Uh, and it just, and I said, hey, Richie, he goes, hey. And it was just sort of like speaking through a mouthful of barbed wire. Sounds like a wild night at the ass club. Yeah. Yes. The, um, hey, uh, Sarah, on Lost, do you remember in uh, season two where they slipped in that commercial about the Dharma Initiative? 
Yes, yes. That was that was awesome because we're, we're watching along, and the commercials on, and all of a sudden they it was like, wait, what, what? what that's, yeah. that's you know, and and bang, I was on that website within like. It's 10 like when minutes. they had that logo on the bottom of the shark that time. Uh, when the shark swims by in the screen and there's like a Dharma Initiative logo on it, and you're like, Wah! so yeah, they they are they are amazing at that. They're the masters. That. And, they are. You know, my son was just like, "What are you talking about? What are you doing?" I said, "No, see, I told you, I told you, it's right here." Best marketing in television history. That's good stuff. All right, thank you, sir. Bye. All right. No, that's true because toward the end of Lost, like I was really getting tired of all the characters, and I think that they probably realized that everyone was getting tired of them too. It is not enough now to have a good television show. Mm-hmm. It's just not. You you got it's just like it's not enough to have just a good uh, you know radio program, which is why I mean not like we're the kings of it or whatever, but I mean we you know we try to get video up and. Of the MySpace and the, the winning it and archiving it and trying to be out and about and doing stuff and being visible. Speaking of being visible, anybody see the station vehicle today? No. It's been uh, we got the big uh, big sweet Viso logo on the uh, on the back over the wheel well there. Awesome. There you go. Powered by Viso. Everything in radio has to be powered by something now. Yes. There's nothing is sponsored by, brought to you by. I think there's some focus group that determined that the phrase brought to you by. People don't like to know that it's an ad. So now everything is like. Da 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 Powered by Sprite. You know, or whatever. Thank so. goodness. Gas is over three bucks a gallon again. Yes. Uh, we really... Oh, we ought to have one of the geeks design a car that really does run on Viso. A car that can actually be powered by Viso. Except I think Viso would be like $12 a gallon, so that doesn't really make any sense. Scratch that idea. That's a dumb idea. Pretend I didn't say it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Is, is, I'm... Sorry. Hi. Dill, I got Sarah Dillon's song. Yeah. Is that Walk This Way? I'm sorry, your phone is. Is this you speaking? Is this you or the phone that's sounding weird? Hopefully it's me. All right, let's plunge on ahead. You've got Sarah Dillon's what? Her song going on to the Tonight Show would be Walk This Way. Why? Well, because I'd seen her on when she was on the, uh, the Queen TV show, and uh-huh. I'd like to see her walk that way. So this is a reference okay. to her buttocks. Uh, no, no, I never saw not. that. Don't say that. I thought that's what, well, that's, that's the, fe- I th- it sounded a little lecherous to me. I'm just trying to be clear. Just, you know, just, I thought it would be a good theme song. All right. No, okay. not, not a bad song. I don't know that she's a big Aerosmith fan, but not a bad song. And, and then um, famous quotes. Yes. Okay. Two things I heard on the phone was, everything's ringing in my ear. Is that Richie who said that? Things are moving way too fast for me today. Yes. Was Richie. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Right. We appreciate it. You, I'm sorry, ahead. you're breaking up. That's okay. Bye now. Wow. <laughs> I think he was trying to make the noise. You're like, Shh. yeah, seriously. I. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of good content in that call, but it was like his brain was having bad reception with his mouth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Final call. Then we'll have to break. Then we'll talk to Steve. Then Richie about the uh, Cobra whiskey. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Sarah, Tim. Hello. Hey, did, did you TiVo the Leno by chance? I did, but I didn't bring it in with me. I TiVo'd it last night because I didn't know if I was going to be. I didn't, you know, it's like I never set my internal clock to must watch Leno. So I, I TiVo'd it so that I would not forget to tape it, but I didn't bring it with me. Well, I think you need to rewatch it because I thought there were some very funny moments on there last night. I thought it was, uh, my take is totally different from yours. I thought it was a good show, and I thought that could be, it was kind of funny. I well, mean, I, I mean, think... Huckabee was sort of funny in the way that he just, I mean, he was he was funny, but not in a way that was uh, really interesting to me. Like, it, you know. Well, and, there were Leno people and there were Letterman people. Just like there are Jeopardy, yeah. Jeopardy people and Wheel of Fortune people, sir. Well, I'm more of a Letterman fan, but I but uh, I think Lisa uh, Dan was saying that 
you'd probably be better to watch the Leno because he's kind of operating without a net, if you will, but turns out he wrote. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. Leno seems like a nice guy, and every, by all accounts, he is a really, truly nice person. Uh, I just don't find him all that funny. I mean, it's not like he's the worst comedian on earth. He's simply just not very interesting uh, to me. Like, one, here's the thing about, about Leno. When one tunes in, you, uh, you know, have you ever seen the movie RoboCop? Yes, I have. All right, so you know that, uh, as they say, when they are unveiling RoboCop at uh, OCP, um, uh, that his, his digestive system is extremely simple. He consists on a rudimentary paste, and then they cut to that machine, which is extruding out like that brown baby food substance, and that's what RoboCop eats. He doesn't eat normal food. He subsists on this rudimentary paste that just, you know, isn't very interesting, but kind of gives you what you need and gives you the basic minimum to survive. Jay Leno is the RoboCop rudimentary paste of comedians. He's there's nothing really interesting, nothing really challenging. You know, he's good for a few chuckles, and he's kind of unthreatening, and everybody in the room, he's not going to offend your parents if they happen to come over. He's just sort of there to me. Well, like I say, I'm more of a Letterman fan, but I did watch Leno, and I, I thought it was pretty good. Huckabee, I've been kind of, I think he's kept pretty funny. I used to come on Imus all the time, and, and actually, uh, I thought he was pretty funny on there, too. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Later. All right, bye now. Uh, all right, let's see. Um, uh, well, we should break here. We come back. Steve Kastenbaum in Concord, New Hampshire, uh, about the upcoming primary. Then we'll talk to Richie Bristol, who consumed the firewater. Uh, stay there. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Excellent. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, we'll get uh, some more phone calls here in a moment, and we'll talk to Richie Bristol, who consumed the Cobra Whiskey Scorpion Snake thing. Uh, we'll find out about that here in a few. And I guess there's some terrible video of it. Sarah's seen it. Is it horrible? Yeah, it was just gross. Excellent. I like what we're hearing. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Concord, New Hampshire. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. I'm learning how to pronounce all the, the cities and towns here. Concord. Are, are right? you trying to put on a... Well, I asked Tim Riley, uh, who is from Nashua. I asked uh, Tim Riley, I said, is it Concord or Concord? And okay, and he of course was snooty, but he said it's conquered. So I don't know how to. Uh, I can't do that. So I'm just saying conquered. Conquered, and then it's a uh, hooksit. It's. I'm sorry. Uh, hooksit. Uh, how do you spell that? H o o k s e t t. Hooksit. Yeah, whatever. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to learn because here's the thing. I'm in a part. It's hard enough trying to remember. All the names for everything here, because everything here in the Northwest is either named for an Indian tribe or for Lewis and Clark. Uh -huh. uh, so it's like, what's this? Well, it's, uh, you know, Snoqualmie, Saskatchewan, Sacagawea Park, whatever. You know, everything, and everything is, it's like nine consonants in a row with a Q and then a Y, and then it's all very difficult. So, yeah. um, okay, so you are in uh, in Concord because, now, the, the, the uh, I was happening today, and we don't know anything until late tonight about that. But Giuliani just skipped Iowa altogether, right? He he just skipped right ahead and, right. Uh, to New Hampshire. He's just going to put all his chips there. He uh, ignored New uh, ignored Iowa, and uh, was uh, he had stated that this was going to be his strategy. He ignored Iowa. Uh, he was here all day yesterday. He was here again in the morning. Said he's going to spend a significant amount of time between now and Tuesday here in New Hampshire. Although he had to go to Florida for something, but uh, that's been his strategy. He's been banking on the bigger states' uh, primaries coming up between now and Super Tuesday in February, and he slipped in the polls. And a lot of strategists are saying that it is partly to blame on the fact that he hasn't been seen around a lot because everybody's been paying attention to the folks in Iowa. But so, uh, thank you, sir. But, but 
don't don't you think that the uh, the uh, short American attention span probably plays to his benefit though? Because on the one hand, because we got memories like goldfish in this country, and so on the one hand, everybody's sort of forgotten about it for the moment because everybody's thinking about uh, Huckabee and Romney, and there's so he's letting those guys just pound, pound each other to sand in Iowa. Uh, but our attention span is so limited that then once Iowa is done. He'll pop back up in New Hampshire. We'll go. Oh yeah, Rudy Giuliani, and then we'll, you know, then, we'll, then he'll seem fresh and new and exciting to us again because right. we're fatigued from hearing nothing but Romney and Huckabee for a month. Although originally he wasn't going to put a huge effort here in New Hampshire as well. Now he suddenly is. He was all. He had uh, three appearances yesterday. I followed him all over the state, and uh, so you know he's obviously. Uh, you know, a little concerned and, and wants to get the the attention that uh, he needs. You know, I asked him about whether or not he felt it was a mistake. You know, that the media's uh, attention was <laughs> was elsewhere right now, and 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 he said, "Oh, we don't have any problem having media." And he started counting the cameras that were in front of him, but there were only like three or four professional camera crews, and then he counted a bunch of other folks with their can- handy cams. <laughs> uh, right. Hey, how's the weather? You sound like you're getting a little uh, head cold or something there. Oh yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's late late hours, and then early morning. Mornings and and uh, it's the fun of the campaign trail. So it's uh, it, it gets pretty cold uh, in New England at night. It goes down to zero. But it is. I mean, but let's be honest. The it is part of the uh, as grueling as it can be. It's probably also just a, it's a certain uh, a certain brand of exhilaration, is it not? Well, I'm glad that I'm not following anybody around permanently. You know, they, people rotate on these different campaigns for a couple of weeks, and I'm only here for a few days. But uh, I don't understand when people get to file their reports and when they get to eat because <laughs> they're constantly you know. Chasing the uh, the candidates around. It's like you read that uh, there's that great book Timothy uh, Krause. I think wrote that that book Boys on the Bus, uh, right. which is I think about the '72 campaign, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, it, it just it, talking about what it's like to be a member of the press corps, following the candidates around in the midst of the presidential, you know, leading up to the general election. Well, and this year is a lot more interesting than in 2004, only because all of a sudden it seems like. Uh, the front runners are are really in trouble. Uh, the ones that you know we the press had deemed the front runners all of a sudden don't have a sure thing going anymore. And and you know how is that going to affect uh, the latter states as we approach uh, Super Tuesday? We don't know yet. According to Andrew Tindall, who is a uh, television analyst, nightly newscasts have devoted more minutes to the campaign in 2007, not even 2008, in 2007 than in 2003, 99, 95, and 91 combined. Wow. So because and it's, it's a couple a couple things uh, that we there's. Um, no incumbent uh, running right now. There's a, the candidates have a certain amount of celebrity to them, some of them. And then, of course, you know, you've got uh, uh, you've got uh, um, you've got that. You've got Giuliani, um, who is so high profile anyway because of you know New York and then his role after the terrorist attacks. And then you've got Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Um, you know, both of them representing groups not traditionally you know, found on a ballot, uh, you know, when it comes to the presidential election. And so all of this adds up to just, just a huge supernova of coverage. So. And what's really funny is the, the folks here in New Hampshire don't give a darn about what's going on in Iowa, because that, that's one of the reasons I came here, to, you know, see what they thought of uh, the Iowa caucuses. And, and uh, one after another, everybody says doesn't mean anything to us. You yeah. know, we, we vote the way we want to vote. I think Tim Riley said, would you say it's the first no snow there? First snow there? No, this is the most snow in New Hampshire in over 100 years. So uh, have fun with that, Steve. Yes, and we were supposed to have another storm coming here, but apparently it sort of sidestepped us. So, uh, so ooh, I guess that's uh, my boss calling me. All right, brother, I'll let you go. Enjoy your uh, time in New Hampshire. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Thanks a lot. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it just won't stop snowing there. Yeah, well... You know, my sister said she shoveled up her roof and it was buried again the next night. Do you get syrup out of trees there? 
Yes, you do, but not this time of the year. It's coming up uh, at the end of February, early March. Is that what, now, do you go up and you, you pound a thing into the tree, and then there's a bucket, and then some stuff comes out, and then you boil it? Yep. You need a lot of it, though. Really? Yeah. How much sap does it take uh, to make, uh, I don't know, a little bottle of syrup? See, we had five trees. Really? Yeah. To make one bottle of syrup? Yeah. Does it taste... A dumb question. Does it taste different than if you just go to the store? I mean, is it... I mean, does it taste demonstrably different from yes, store-purchased syrup? Yeah, because most, most of that's corn syrup. And so this does... So it's not only that it tastes better, is it the taste is actually different? Yeah. All right. Well, see, now I have to try some. Uh, well, let's do these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hello? Hi. How you doing? Hi, good. Hey, I wanted to tell you about a brand-new store in town that uh, carries Viso. Yes, sir. It's called the Beverage Tobacco Zone. It's in Orchards. Uh, let's see. So Orchard, that is in Vancouver. Yeah, northeast. Yes. All right. It's on 49th Street, just off 112th. Excellent. Right. Thank you, sir. Right Thank behind you. the shell station. Thank you. Good looking out, as they say in Entourage, my friend. Thank All you. Righty. Excellent. There you go. Have All a good right. day. You too. All right. Uh, before we do anything else, let's... Uh... Oh, Richie. It's called Sex Panther. Oh, Richie. I hold it on. Okay, let me just tell you this. You know, Richie normally like comes right down the hallway, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. He is just doing the sad-ass walk down the hallway today. Just He doesn't look so good. Slumping his way down the hall, clutching a bottle of Viso in his hand. How you doing, Richie? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, here's... Uh, okay, here's what happened last night. We may have to continue part of this conversation later in the show, but here's what happened. So, I was... Um, I was here last night around 7 or 7.30 just to get some stuff done, trying to catch up from the holidays and everything. And I came downstairs to do something or other in the studio. And I think you were here. Were you here? Or were they going to meet you? I can't remember if you were here last night or not. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Excellent. I'm not thinking that. And far. you were there. And Jimmy Ryan was there. Uh, so I think Richie was here last night. And then this guy, Adam, who also works here. And then Timmy Ryan, who... Oh, man, turn this. Sorry, didn't mean to be shouting in your ears. <laughs> I'm sorry. And there's no aspirin in the in the medicine cabinet in the kitchen. There's no pain reliever of any kind in there. And I'm out upstairs too. The only thing I think will help is more cobra. Okay. Um, really? So anyway, so I came here last night, and you know, and and Timmy Ryan and Adam and Richie were all, and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, we're gonna drink the cobra whiskey tonight, and it did make me feel. I don't know. It was one of those moments. I've had a lot of these actually recently where I feel really old um, it, because... He, I felt really old looking at the video of you guys last night. Yeah. It reminded me of like, my college buddies all like, let's get wasted. Totally. And I remember being in my early uh, you know, to mid-20s, and I don't think it's an age thing. I think maybe it's just a, just a lifestyle thing. But I remember being at radio stations and all the guys who were of a certain uh, social demographic or age or the guys who were all kind of, you know, the same kind of guy. Like, they would, what are you going to do tonight? We're going to go get effed up and then we're going to come back here and play Skinnered Records on the air and then pass out. And that's kind of what was going on last night. And, of course, it was no surprise to find Timmy Ryan there, who I think is probably at like a .08, like, on, like at, at all times, like at, at a minimum. Um, so then that's all I know is that Richie and Timmy Ryan and Adam left last night with the big bottle. And this was the, the Vietnamese whiskey with the snake and the scorpion. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's what happened last night. Here's, the, here's what I get at 2.45 a.m. This email arrives. From uh, This is from Richie. I get this at 2.45 in the morning. It's a link to a series of YouTube videos. The first one just says, here's Richie puking on the sidewalk in downtown Portland. Yeah, I've seen that one. Um, here's the other one. Richie being drunk. Here's the other one. 
us chugging beer after two shots of Patron. So, and then he says, there's more video of me actually drinking and puking. I will pull audio. Night. And then it's closed. So, all right. So who, so you, you get the Cobra whiskey. Where did you go? Like your uh, house or where'd you go for this? Yeah, Timmy and Adam met me at my house. All right. And so who was the first to consume some of the Cobra whiskey? Oh, uh, we did it at the exact same time. Boy, you sound really bad. Um, uh, and so did you, you each pour like a shot? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh. And then you all uh, downed it at once? Yeah. All right. What was the general reaction when you downed it? Like what was, was it like a, mmm, that's tasty? Because like disintegrating Cobra eyeballs in there, right? Yeah, the cobra was sticking out, and that was what got me. I was looking at it, and it looked like, you know how the scales are shiny or yes. whatever? Yeah, it was pretty gross. Yeah, well, it's no longer submerged because you've consumed enough of the whiskey. So, uh, so, but, I mean, what was what did it taste like? Fire. <laughs> Straight fire. Did it taste like rotting in, r- reptile? How would yeah. you know? I mean, how, I guess if you'd know it, it was bad. So it was just drinking pain. Straight fire. <laughs> like gasoline or something how many shots of it did you have one that's it that's it all right what did it well that doesn't that shouldn't account for you being like this today i don't know i think it's all like like i've used i don't know how many q-tips this morning but i keep on getting wax no matter what how many q-tips i use there's wax coming out of my ears <laughs> i don't know if it's are i'm just you, are you really i'm serious i can put my pinky in and i pull out wax right now are you listening I don't know, to this? I don't know if it's just me. I'm paying attention too much to different things. Like So you are blaming the Cobra whiskey for your ears producing a massive amount of wax today. Yeah, they're juicy. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. <juicy. laughs> I keep on using Q-tips, and they're not getting clean. I don't know if it's just... I know I'm not normally like that, but... And, like, uh-huh. I think I'm just... Maybe it's the placebo. I'm paying attention to different things, like the green haze. There's, like, a green... Like, you know on your TV, if you have the green set too high or something? That's how everything is right now. I don't know if it's just because I'm paying attention or... Well, you only had one shot, right? Oh, yeah. It was a big shot, but who knows? And I, I, what else did you drink last night? Uh, a couple shots of Patron. That's probably why I shouldn't hang... a bunch of PBR. I shouldn't hang out with Adam because he can drink. He really? probably could keep up with Sarah. We had four pitchers, and Timmy was driving, so he couldn't really drink much. And so we had, like, four pitchers, a couple shots of Patron, two paps. He had another shot of something else. Are the YouTube videos you sent me um, clean? Yeah. Except well, the top two. The top two are clean, and he, there's like the, a, is the one of you, Is the one of you puking on the sidewalk? Yeah. It's, is I that guess. clean? Please, and just, yeah, in the, be sure to label things in the future if they have, as you just said, nonstop cussing. Uh, let me see here. Well, I've got it. There's a folder called Richie. I've got some audio here, but it, uh, these MP3s. What are these MP3s of? Uh, one, me, the whole 11 seconds of me being drunk. Just stupid. And these are clean? Yeah. All right, so there's the Cobra intro. Let's just play these in order. All right. And this is you, Timmy, Ryan, and Adam getting ready to drink the Cobra whiskey. Yeah. Why, well, hello. This is in, in no way relation or affiliated with CBS Radio or the Rick Emerson Show. I, Timmy, Ryan, I'm doing this at the Richie Bristol Housestead, along with Adam. Housestead. I'm 60. A.K.A. Tony Danza. I'm now going to... Wow. You want to talk about just like a bad low rent version of Entourage? I like the like the thumping rap in the background. You guys, were, we're gonna get hammered. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to pass the bottle to Adam, and he's going to talk. Are about you going to drink this tonight? If I'm drunk enough. Okay, we're going to. When I'm drunk, drunk enough, I'll do about anything. All right. All right. What about you? Here. Me. I'll be uh, riding the inebriation train all the way to Scorpion Town. What do you got there? I got me a pass. <laughs> Jesus. I got me scorpion in a bottle. Uh-huh. I think it's olive oil, but from what I understand, 
That sounds like an energy nah. scorpion in a bottle. And that's Richie, and I'm going to get drunk and drink this. I say we just do it now. All right, so this See, is... I like Adam's I'll logic. I'll do it when we're drunk. I just took a night what is What is Adam's logic? Because he's just like, why don't we just do it now? Right. And then everyone's like, no, no, no. no We're no, going to build. Let's do it now. What is it? To me saying he just drank a bunch of NyQuil? Oh, that was Adam, I think, saying that. Hold on. Somebody was just saying, like, we ought to have a bunch of NyQuil. I'm on the NyQuil. When we're drunk. I just took a NyQuil, and I'm already... Oh, yeah. I'm already messed up. You sound like Jeff Conway. You remind me of Jeff Conway. Oh, yeah? Beep. All right. All right. I just took a so, NyQuil, and I'm already messed up. Yeah, well, NyQuil... NyQuil's bad, man. Maybe for me, because I don't... But do. if you're old enough, who drinks NyQuil? I think maybe he had it. Was he did, was he sick or was he just doing something kooky? We already had two shots after, at that right. point. Uh, so this is Richie chugging Pabst. Is, is there any explanation necessary, or is this pretty self-explanatory? Just getting drunk. All right. A couple shots. <laughs> you sound so bad, man. Hi, I'm Timmy Ryan, and I'm going to get drunk. Is that you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm drunk uh, already, I think. Uh, I'm like Richie Bristol or something. All right, that's... That's Rick Emerson. Well, I was not there, by the way. He has okay. okay, we're going to chug. We're going to get drunk. And we're going to drink some Cobra whiskey, and then we'll see what happens, because we got to do it. This is not an affiliated with CBS or nothing. This is all over. Oh, nothing to do with CBS Radio. Uh, here Wednesday, January We put the BS in CBS, though. Happy friggin' New Year. I've already had two shots of Patron. We put the BS in CBS. We're getting there. Okay, we're going to cheers. We're going to chug a pap. This is not a choice for the beer of the year. Mm. And this is the uh, this is the actual drinking right here? All right. Mm. And this would be, you're just, this is just the PBR going in. This is not the whiskey. Uh, All right. And let's see. This one says, Richie drunk, blah, blah. Yeah. It's, uh, this is you after the whiskey, or when is this in the evening? Uh, down at the bar. All right. Okay. Let's see. Um. We're bringing sexy back. Take it to the club. Richie, you are. Oh, it's cool, man. <laughs> really? I don't even. This is. We should run this instead of those PSA. Teen drinking is bad. For you. I know, Dad. This is. We should totally run this instead. Okay, this one just says Richie puking. Please, what am I going to hear? I mean, I know it's Richie puking, but please give me a little background. What am I going to witness here? Uh, well, on the video you could see it, but basically we missed the spot. We were just walking. Where were you at? We are downtown over by the Matador. Okay. Uh, and so you had been drinking there, too? Yeah, and oh. I had, like, hamburger and tater tots. <laughs> yeah. And then... Did you know you were going to be sick and you were looking for a place, or did it just come on suddenly? I puked, and then he turned around and saw a pile of stuff on the sidewalk, and he pulled out the camera, and then he's like, oh, we missed it. But then I looked at it, and I saw... So you couldn't make it to a bathroom? like We were walking down the street. So you puked. He was upset that he missed it with the camera, but then you looked at it and threw up again. Yeah, we were like, hey, look at him. I puke. And then I said, look, my tater tots. And then... Yeah, it's, and then he lost it again. This is all, all I don't remember too much. I'm just watching. Sarah's the watched the video of this, right? Is mm-hmm. the video like is there video of Richie hurling? No, the as I'm time? sitting in here eating my lunch, but she's like, "Hey, <laughs> did you get that video, dude?" And I'm like, "No, I didn't think that he'd show it to me." And all of a sudden, he, like he's showing me this video, and there's a huge pile of puke. <laughs> and you're trying to Disgusting. eat your breakfast. I know. 
I suppose there's no alternative if you're walking in a public place. You, well, what are you going to uh, do? Mr. Merchant, may I use your restroom to vote? No. You should ask, uh, you know, you'd ask Tom Potter about that. He'd probably let you into his house. Uh, <laughs> he's, isn't he the one who gave us the 24-hour restrooms? I'm not sure if that's still open. I haven't heard anything. Or is that, that Eric lately? Sten? Who's the guy that's retiring? Oh, the guy with the space between his teeth? Sten. Sten. Yeah. Who is yeah. it that gave us the 24-hour restrooms? The mayor. There? That's, see, that's his one good thing. Yeah. I'm behind him. That's well, like we his... don't know if they're, they're still open. We haven't heard about it. I that. think they are, though. That's his one good move as mayor is giving us free bathrooms everywhere. So you don't have to go to Starbucks are anymore. Are they free? Yeah, there's, yeah. Well, the public bathrooms are open 24 hours downtown now at City Hall. Uh, because normally you would have to go to a Starbucks, but they all close at like 8 or 9. Mm. Uh, so there was like nowhere to go downtown if you had to throw up. Um, but no, he did do that. Let's see. Wait, wait, wait. Over here. Why, hello. Hello. I'm Timmy Ryan. I'm Richie. And uh, Richie just totally puked because he's a light drunk, <laughs> and he's Vietnamese, and he can't hold alcohol. He can wipe that. That's, that's, I don't think so. Yeah, he's classy. Uh -oh. I think we're, we're just going to let that one know. Uh... I'm Anyway, yeah, that's known as. <laughs> Say that again. That's known as the Asian Thank you, Adam. <laughs> That is, uh... <laughs> is that you in the background? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting that taste and stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, Just in time for the lunch hour. <laughs> well, we're going to play this, and then we'll break and come back with the news. But we, we, well, I have to go back and hear that just a little bit. Um, oh, there's more. Say that again. That's known as the <clears throat> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> that is uh, Ricky Bristol's mess. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And we're spent. Hey, Reggie, you're discussing. Welcome to Rookie Camp. Look, I had tear talk. <laughs> Sarah, we were talking earlier, and I asked Sarah if this was funny, and she said, I don't know, if you think a guy throwing up is funny, and I do. Oh, man. I, <laughs> Richie. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Sarah, you don't find this funny? Not at all. I think it's a guy thing. I, I think hear, they should go on the show demo. Yeah. They get to the salespeople. Richie, I remember my first beer too. Richie's the mascot for amateur night bush league hour. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> 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 uh, I can I can just smell the bottle. <laughs> just see the video. There's a pile of zapped up tater tots. Wow. There was like whole ones in there. You could see it. If you could do a zoom on the video, you could see whole tater tots. That's what tripped me out because we were like looking like, is that tater tots? I thought I chewed it up, but no. It's gross. Okay, we got to finish this. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, dude. That's hilarious. It's squirming. It looks like something from the Hormel family. Yeah, it looks like something you buy at like. I need a napkin. Use your pants. All right, that's enough. <laughs> Oh, wow. That is fantastic. God bless you, Richie Bristol. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> it's a little bit of job security for you. Now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, we have to break. We'll come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh, Blech. Oh man.
He's even a better drunk than Scotty. All right. Back after this, here's Veruca Salt. We continue next on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Boy, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. This email says, Rick, uh, did Richie drink the Cobra, whiskeys while, uh, Cobra whiskey while en route to the ass club with his coterie of Gresham beauties? If I recall correctly, that Cobra whiskey is supposed to have aphrodisiac properties. I picture the drunken intern smashing the empty bottle outside the swingers club, sending shards of glass in the preserved bodies of animals flying across Powell and striding arm in arm with his MySpace harem. Probably. Oh, ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, kneel before him. He is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A bus loses its wheel on Highway 30 near Escapus, and 14 people are hurt. Yes, 14 people are aboard that bus. None with life-threatening injuries, though. All are adults. Who would be riding on a converted, broken-down school bus? Now, apparently, these are workers of some type. They're not telling us who they oh, wait, were. So they're not living in the school bus. No. They're being transported to their place of work, wherever that might be. Where were they picked up in this bus, do you suppose? Now, let's see here. Uh, this happened near Rocky Point Road that connects to Highway 30 near Escapus. A uh, white pickup truck carrying three people who was traveling behind the bus tried to avoid the impact when the detached wheel... Uh, oh, it hit the pickup truck in the bus. The pickup was hauling workers to the same destination as the bus. Hmm. About 14 people have uh, been uh, treated. Two lanes of the highway were closed. Uh, they're trying to find out what caused the converted bus to lose a wheel. That's pretty bad. Uh, then we have this guy on the couve who's been arrested for uh, killing his 91-year-old mother. Apparently, the incident happened in the 6100 block of Northeast 17th Avenue in Hazeltel, which is like the worst area in the world. Uh, next girlfriend of the man stopped by the elderly lady's house to check on her. There was no answer at the door, so she let, used the spare key and let herself in. She found the elderly woman dead and her 56-year-old son so intoxicated he could barely stand. Uh, let's see here. They're not quite sure what the cause of death is, but the 56-year-old man has been taken into custody for treatment. Isn't the cause of death just being 91 years old? Well, apparently she was all beaten up. Oh. Yeah, she was covered with blood. Oh. And so is this intoxicated son lying next to her. Ah. Uh, they said this is a quiet cul-de-sac, which they always do. <laughs> Except for the screaming. Well, it's quiet once everybody's dead, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scientific fact, by the way. They were very upset that, well, it was a quiet cul-de-sac and it's in Hazeldale. Yeah. That's enough to ask for the extra key to be let in. The vacancy for you now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey. I've got a scoop uh, with a story that writes itself. Get this, from Lumpkin County, Georgia. Wait, hold on. Now, when you say this is a story that writes itself, are you now going to give us the story as written, though? Um, give you the top headline. Okay. Meredith Emerson, a 24-year-old blonde girl, uh, is going missing off of a trail on Blood Mountain in <laughs> Lumpkin County, Georgia. She had her dog Dandy with her. The suspect here is a 60-year-old white male with no teeth. Okay, you're right. Uh, you know what? I was skeptical because uh, your delivery was not that enthusiastic, and so I really feared for the worst. That Blood Mountain, really? 
Yeah. Suspect with no teeth, really? Yeah. Emerson, really? Yeah. Excellent. Can you send me that story? Uh, well, it's on CNN now. Oh, is it on the CNN, uh, uh, is it the website? Probably, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll... I've been on for 43 minutes, so. You know. Sorry. You know, sir. It, it, you know, all right. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm doing the best I can here. There was all the vomiting to get to. Okay. Thanks. Well, nobody wants to eat at an empty restaurant. That's exactly, Tim. That's yeah. exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, let's see. Uh, all right, here's, uh, I'm going to look for this. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. So a uh, speeding BMW smashes into a fuel truck last night, and luckily the fuel truck was empty, so it didn't explode, but had it been full, ba-boom, Jesus. it would have been a mess. This happened at 2.20 in the morning. A BMW heading west on Columbia at a high rate of speed hit a tree and a power pole, shot through an emergency gate, used some free whack, free would you like some Cobra whiskey? Sure. And finally slant into a double-decker fuel tank traveling northbound on I-5. So the semi spins around on the freeway. The driver's okay. But the driver of the BMW is taken to the hospital with life-threatening injuries. He's only 21 and has a BMW. And apparently they think he was drunk. So that's that. Here it is. Uh, went, let's, see, Meredith, uh, let's see, Meredith Emerson, originally from Colorado, been missing since she went hiking on Blood Mountain Trail uh, in Georgia. Uh, friends believe she spent Tuesday and Wednesday night. Temperatures plummeted into the teens both nights. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Family spokesperson, blah, 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 said, let me tell you something. Meredith Emerson can do anything. Uh, and then, yeah, they're looking for a man with no teeth uh, who has a dog named Dandy. So there you go. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. All right, so we have this uh, little collage here. I guess these are events of both uh, Letterman and Leno last night. Okay. And whoever else is on after them. I don't know their names anyway. You can breathe a sigh of relief. The late-night talk shows are back on the air, even though the writer's strike goes on. And in case you didn't spot it, two of the hosts are sporting full beards. First of all, not only do I have a strike beard, Jeff Ross started one, my producer. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, geez, Dave looks like a cattle drive cook. The jokesters all touched on the strike in their monologues. I don't have a joke. I just want to remind everyone that we're on strike, so none of us are responsible for this lame list. <laughs> you know what I'm doing? I'm doing what I did the day I started. All right. I write jokes, and I wake my wife up in the middle, and I go, honey, is this funny? Striking writers walked the picket oh. lines outside Leno and O'Brien shows, but Letterman reached an agreement with his writers, so his show has a full staff. Hey, Dave, when, is the, when are the writers coming back? Well, they're, they're back, Biff. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and the big stars and politicians stopped by. Letterman's guests included funny man Robin Williams, while Jay Leno hosted Republican Mike Huckabee. Picketers jabbed at the presidential hopeful for crossing their line to appear on the show. Bob Saget dropped in on Conan O'Brien to plug his upcoming new show. John Belmont, the Associated Press. Why, why always the beards? Why? Was it some, a fan of Lake is that like a concerted, like, did they all get together? They said it was like, yeah, protest beard. I have no idea why, though. I mean, it kind of works for Letterman because he's sort of a grizzled, curmudgeon-like guy anyway. It doesn't really look. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work for Conan. It looks like for Conan, it looks like a guy trying to buy beer for the first time, and he thinks that bad facial hair will help him uh, help him do that. All right. Well, there you go. So Letterman, I suppose, was funny. I didn't watch it. Um, we got more than that coming up in a few minutes. All right. I was busy being bored by Jay Leno, as we all were. Oh, who does anybody here watch Desperate Housewives? I have in the past. Um, all I've right. never seen it. I believe uh, we will at some point in the near future be interviewing Eva Longoria. Oh, Ava Longoria. That's interesting. Yeah. How are you pronounce her? Eva or Ava? Ava. 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 Eva. 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 <laughs> so we don't know. 
No, not I should sure. figure no, that out. No, but there's just this huge scandal going on right now. She's um, married to Tony Parker and how this woman's claiming to have had an affair with him for the past two years. Well, all right, then. I'm sure uh, she'd love to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Let's make that question one. Yes. Richie, we're not making that question one. And she was turned away by the writers, uh, I guess for being a scab. And she brought them two pizzas. The girl's a total scab. And, they, and she brought two pizzas, and that's not enough to no, get a camera no, crew. No, of course not. Uh, so I think we will be interviewing Eva Longoria at some point in the next, uh, I don't know, next week or so. So she'll be on. She's uh, a wonderful woman, though. I, you know, I'm sure she's hot and everything. Uh, the uh, Let's see. Uh, and apparently we have, who knows who Kimberly Locke is? Hmm. I'm not sure. Tim, isn't she some American Idol? She player? may be best known as a former American Idol contestant. She may be. But behind, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she Possibly. might also be known for curing cancer. Uh, but behind this seemingly confident and tenacious talent is a small-town girl with... Small-town girl with... Big dreams. Big-time dreams, yes. Who has evolved into a talented singer, songwriter, businesswoman, exemplifying confidence, passion, and a determination to persevere through... Wow. Um, I have that same story here, but for a different person. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if she's more interesting than Kimberly uh, Clark. Kimberly, no, Kimberly Clark is a diaper company. Kimberly Locke. Um, she put out a Christmas album, apparently. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Her song Change perhaps best describes her most recent endeavors. Okay, here's a, here's a little test to see how y'all are with pop culture. So she went on American Idol and didn't win. So now she is uh, she is on television on another television program. She's on another reality show right now. What kind of reality show is it? Probably modeling. Every other show is about models now. It's kind of like modeling. Is it Donald Trump's Celebrity Apprentice thing? No, 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 no. It's it's, it's him was closer. It is a type of modeling show, I suppose. Hmm. Based on one's physical appearance. The world's ugliest models? Well, you're on the right track. Oh, is it the I'm smarter than a model? No, it's celebrating her 40-pound weight loss. She survived Celebrity Fit Club. Um, So she's going to be... So we can ask her about weight loss... And whatever. Um, and uh, they've given us possible interview questions. Um, you have been having an exciting year. Um, what have you been up to lately? But it's only the 30th of the year. Listen to listen to you how... Just, the... You should totally book the interview and only ask the specific questions they give you. They you ask the same question over and over again. You are having an exciting year. Listen to how they... How they, uh, how they this is called like push-polling, where they inject the, the falsehood that they want to become a fact in the form of a question. So, uh, Kimberly Locke... You're having an exciting year. What have you been up to lately? How was your holidays since you had that hit album and successful tour that we all heard of and stuff? All right. And um, oh, I hate those things. You know, when I, I was supposed to be uh, interviewing Garth Brooks, and of course, the answers were already on the CD, and I didn't know, but I I had the wrong one. I was interviewing Randy Travis all the time. Really? I was like halfway through it before I cut I'm not talking to Garth Brooks, am I? I loved you in American Beauty, Garth. Uh, I have an ACDC interview record that's like that. It's on vinyl, too. Uh-huh. So it's actually like, so, Malcolm Young, tell me about the songwriting process. Well, Rick, I... Except it doesn't even say Rick. It's like, well, you, because it's like recorded with some generic DJ. Um, all right. I'm going to bring that you in tomorrow. You know what I found on my Edward Scissorhands uh, DVD copy that I got imagine. from CD Game Exchange? They actually have an inter- interview sessions with, like, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. We should exit them and pretend to be uh, to pretend that, to be interviewing them. That's what that's what they're there for because it has the question written out. Put out a you huge can press release saying that I will be interviewing uh, Johnny Depp about Edward Scissorhands. Completely. No, I won't even say that. Just Rick Emerson will be interviewing Johnny Depp and have a picture of Johnny Depp laughing, <laughs> slapping slapping someone on the knee. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, as we all know, and maybe you didn't know this before, but Taylor Swift is a goal-oriented person. 
She credits being able to reach so many goals last year with being able to constantly reassess her goals. She explains that once she reaches one goal, she immediately sets another goal to be reached. I remember the time in my life when Mm -hmm. I was saying to myself, if I can just get a record deal, I'll be satisfied. All I want, I just want a record deal. And then I got the record deal, and I just wanted my single to come out. And then my single came out, and I swore if I get a top 20 single, that's all I'll want. I swear. I, I Isn't this swear, the girl you stalked in the bathroom? I didn't stalk her. I swear her. I'd like to be able to use the restroom in peace. Uh, <laughs> That's my next call. Get out of there! Uh, d- does anybody know... Uh, yes, Tim? That was truly one of the most outstanding, memorable radio <laughs> moments I could think of. <laughs> and Taylor Swift trying to urinate and I'm pounding on the bathroom door. Come on! Uh, I wonder if she was trying to call 911 on her cell phone. <laughs> Uh, all right. I'm not even going to give the backstory. Well, well, if you didn't it, hear that when it first happened, we'll uh, we'll explain it again someday. Um, I wonder, you know, because she did write that song, which I really do like. Uh, I wonder if she wrote the rest of her album, or I wonder if it's a thing where she wrote like she has one. You know, my friend Todd has this thing that every every bad artist has one good song in them. Uh, so I wonder if if the rest of the album is crap, or if if she actually wrote like a decent album after that. I realize no one here knows. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, Taylor Swift says. She always resets her goals once she has hit singles. All I want is for my album to go gold. And then it went gold. All I want is my album to go platinum. And I think that's the really cool thing about human nature, um, that drive that's naturally there to accomplish more. I suppose she, has, she never thought her life would be as cool as it has become. I suppose this is all true, but boy, does it make her seem like shallow and needy and whiny. No, the fans love it. I know. I'm just, well, it's because she's from the heartland, Tim. She's just a country gal. It's because she's the salt of the earth. And so this caters to everyone. This is slugged, undated, and really? from nowhere. <laughs> this story comes from any town USA. So we can play it a hundred times a month. Could have been at, at Myrtle's Diner yep. in your town. Of course. It's, it's, well, she's eating her mashed potatoes. I was just live from Schwab's. All right. <laughs> Mitt, Mitt Romney comes in. What's good here? <laughs> Did you see that? No. He's at a diner in uh, Manchester. What's good here? <laughs> Just a completely unlikable stuffed shirt. Uh, yeah, bees. he's eat lots of bees. No, he's he's host. Oh, by the way, speaking of of what's good here and have some peas. Um, so Huckabee was on Leno last night, and they showed he was on Leno apparently seven years ago mm-hmm. because he was in the news because the governor's mansion in Arkansas was being remodeled, adding indoor plumbing. One imagines. I'm sorry, it's a cheap joke. Uh, and so they put a trailer. Sounds like a joke, but they put a trailer, like a double wide, in the front yard of the governor's mansion, and that's where he lived. So seven years ago, the governor of Arkansas was, no joke, living in a trailer on his own front lawn. And he was on Leno for that, like, seven years ago. And so Leno's like, we had this clip of you seven years ago talking about this. And they go back, and Huckabee was like a house, man. He was a, he weighed 110 pounds more. Yeah, he was more. a big guy. He was a huge guy. Huge. So he was huge, as they uh, as they say in the Midwest. Yeah, so uh, Letterman last night, to return to the airwaves, joked that uh, he uh, put his time off to good use. Ladies and gentlemen, two long months, but by God, I'm finally out of rehab. <laughs> uh, Hillary Clinton opened up the program via satellite from Iowa, announcing that Dave is back. Dave has been off the air for eight long weeks because of the writer's strike. Tonight, he's back. Oh, well, all good things come to an end. Uh, uh, is that her own kid laughter? Or is that from <laughs> <laughs> Those are people being prodded with sticks. Laugh! Laugh or she will have you beaten again. I, uh, that's unfortunate. 
She's got to be able to. She's got to be able to, to to do better than that because as a president, she has to be expected to lie better than that. Mm-hmm. She that sounded completely unconvincing. Just there. I mean, it's funny how you just sort of. I, I don't know. Never mind. Doesn't matter. You, you think politicians are just full of BS and they, they just lie about everything all the time. But if that was true, you think she'd be able to mouth those lines a little more convincingly just now. It was like she was at the Grammys or something. Yeah, Hillary. Hillary's above that. Uh, let him explain why he was off the air for so long. Let me just bring you up to date. There's a uh, writer's strike going on, the Writers Guild of America. And uh, we were out because of the strike for two months. And I know you're thinking to yourselves at home right now, this crap is written? Yes. <laughs> He noted that striking a deal with the striking writers was important in order to return to the airwaves. I want to thank the uh, Writers Guild of America for allowing uh, our show and our writers to come back to work with a contractual agreement. Uh, thank you very much. I know a lot of people worked long and hard for that. So, <clears throat> See, that's good. See, good for him. He was, you know, able to make... Did they use the obligatory writer strike a deal? Hmm, I don't know. All right. So Leno returns to the airwaves without the services of his uh, writing staff. We're not using outside guys. We're following the guild thing. We can right. write for ourselves. We just I can't. Know. Can you? Really? I don't yes. think so. See, Dave uh, was able to get a deal because Dave okay. has his own company. I don't blame him for getting a deal. God bless him. But, see, you know, we have to go by ourselves up against the CBS machine. One man against a monolith. <laughs> See, that's actually... Riding a motorcycle around Burbank by yourself. See, that's actually kind of an interesting gambit, though, that he's doing. The the one man against the massive writings team of CBS. That's actually kind of a smart move. I th- When he said that last night, I thought that was kind of a... That was because... Because here's what it does. I'm it, sure it's been run by lawyers. It accomplishes the nifty trick, too, of, of making Leno look like an underdog, even though he's been beating Letterman in the ratings for like six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Americans are largely stupid. Uh, and so it makes him kind of look like the underdog. But now, do you have the story about the Writers Guild and Leno? Yeah, let's see. I don't think the hell. I have a little something here. Uh, it says, um, Jay Leno, this is from Deadline Hollywood Daily. Oh, I read that. Yeah. Jay Leno admitted last night on the air during his first show back that he wrote his own monologue. That is a problem because it violates the strike rules of one of his unions, the Writers Guild of America. Um, he said, uh, the strike rule, this is the quote. This is from the WJ rules. I'm quoting now from their rule book. The strike rules, among other provisions, prohibit guild members from performing any writing services during a strike for any and all struck companies, meaning you can't write for NBC or for the company that owns The Tonight Show, which I think, frankly, is just NBC. I don't think it's a sub-company. This prohibition includes all writing by any guild member that would be performed on air by that member if any portion of that written material is customarily written by striking writers. So, since Leno's monologue and show are customarily written by writers now on strike, no Writers Guild member may write any part of that material. Uh, Leno is a Writers Guild member, wrote the material, and thus... I don't care, it doesn't matter to me, but it did look like he broke the Writers Guild rules. So the question is, are they going to do anything about it uh, and stick to their guns, or are you know, or, or are they just going to let it be? So that's, I'm, I'm going to ask the Writers Guild guy at 1 o'clock today. Uh, if they're going to do anything about it, if he knows, because I want to know that. Uh, Leno is running his jokes by his wife to see if they're funny. So if this monologue doesn't work, it's my wife's fault, okay? Because she, she said the joke was funny. Get a new wife. The Writers Guild of America writer Julian Shepard said Letterman will now have the advantage. I do think, though, that the quality of Letterman will be strong. People will appreciate that. I think the guests will be stronger. I don't think that name brand actors are going to cross the ticket line to do Leno's show. I hope they don't. Oh, they're taking down the Pioneer Courthouse Christmas tree right now. You know, I have a question. How long can one leave one's Christmas tree up? Is it a given date, or is it just until it turns brown? 
I thought it was right after the New Year. I thought it was right after the New Year. I made this note to myself. My tree has been put away for another year. Last night, 9.35, Thursday. How long can we keep this tree up? Um, it, I got two trees. I got the uh, the real tree by the uh, front window, and then I got the Martha Stewart tree in the kitchen. And everybody can just uh, you know, snicker all you want. My Martha Stewart tree is fantastic. Works flawlessly. Plug it in. It's good to go. Um, so we got the Martha Stewart tree in the kitchen, and we got the other one by the front door. And you know what? The, the one, the real tree in the living room is still green and looks fantastic, and it just breaks my heart to take it down. First of all, because I don't know what you... This is the first time I've had a real tree since uh, forever. Uh, this is actually the first real tree this year that I have ever had. Um, and so here's some questions I have. I don't know, first of all, when I'm supposed to get rid of it. And I think the answer is going to be whenever I damn well want to. But I don't know how to get Do I just stick it out of the curb? Don't the Boy Scouts come around your neighborhood and pick them up? Boy Scouts don't come... You're just asking that to jab at me. You I know mean, the Boy Scouts just, don't come to my neighborhood. You know neighborhood. what you should do? You should stick it in the back of your truck, and then when it gets stolen the next time, it'll probably disappear. Oh, if only I had a rim shot handy. Uh... Thanks. Thanks. I really honestly don't know. I don't know if I can just set it out on the curb. Will the trash guy take it away? I, I, I would suppose that they put one day aside to do that. Is it I missed that day? Is there even a day? Or are you, are you most, just supposing that there's a day? Many municipalities have such a thing. All right. Well, I don't know. So I don't know how long I can keep it. And when I do get rid of it, I don't really know if I'm... Because here's the thing. If the trash won't, guy won't pick it up, if they won't pick up my Christmas tree uh, when they come on the regular Tuesday, whatever... Then honestly, I have no idea where to put it. There's no landfills or anything around here, I don't think. No. And it's not like there's. I mean, I guess I could just. I guess I could just go shove it into the forest somewhere. I mean, we are filled with trees around here. I could just go. That'd be a very green thing to do. Go pitch it. I could pitch that as recycling, giving back to Mother Nature. Just go pitch it into the woods because she gave it to you in the first place. That Mother Nature wants her trees. She, Mother Nature wants her children back. That's what I'll say to the idiot hippies that get on me about it. No, 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 I'm giving Mother Nature back her children. The tree is still up in the uh, the moving office, and the one upstairs is already dead. Is it? Oh, that's because Dave Zinn's gone still. And oh, Dave is the master of the tree. Of... He's the tree master. So nobody's taking care of the Dave Zinn tree. No, the needles are. If you go upstairs in that front office, every single needle has fallen off, and they were all on the floor like bushels of needles that are on tree, the floor. That tree needs a lot of love. Yeah. No, it's, it has become the sad Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It really is. It looked great, but now it's just a twig. It's, it's just a... CBS br- tree without love. It's, <laughs> it's uh, the tree that no one... The tree that no one wanted. Uh, so the, the tree's all sad upstairs. The one in the moving office... But you know what? I vote for just keeping that stuff up year-round. And the tinsel and everything. My father's play style. Just leave it decorated for Christmas. Yeah, you know, every day is Christmas when you work at CBS. So... That is true. They are a giving company. They are, Tim. Uh, let's see. I are on the Rick Emerson show. Is this about Christmas trees? Hello? Hello? Is this you? Hi. It's you. Hi. Is the phone up? Dumb questions. Yes, it's up. All right, you got two? All right, thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, is it me now? Yes, it is, sir. Hello. Hey, okay, you got got two places that will take uh, yard debris. You got McFarland's down in Clackamas off of 224 by the Kmart and Lowe's. Uh-huh. And you also have another place out by the Troutdale Airport that will take uh, yard debris. Let me understand this. I have to go to either Troutdale or Clackamas to get rid of my Christmas tree? Or if you top it up small enough, you can put it next You can uh, put it next to your garbage as uh, as yard debris. Doesn't that require owning an axe? Or a handsaw. I, ha- I have a handsaw. All right. It just has to be small enough that they can manage it. You can't just leave a whole tree there out in the curb. What if I just put it in my neighbor's dumpster when they're not looking? No, go ahead. My neighbors, you know what? i got to tell you, my neighbors, and I don't know which ones they are, i got neighbors that fill up our trash cans with their trash. 
Our trash cans fill up with the refuse of our entire neighborhood. Because my wife and I, I mean, you know, you like you can spot your own trash in a weird way. Like, you know what products you buy and what brand of whatever. And so when I go out there and I see just a bunch of malt liquor bottles, that is not coming from my house. Uh, so I had to just pay them back and just stick the tree in somebody else's trash can. All right. <laughs> you go for it, man. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, this is kind of spooky. The FBI will use a nationwide network of digital billboards to flash hot pursuit alerts and most wanted bulletins to catch criminals. In a deal with Clear Channel, mm. the U.S. law enforcement agency will use billboards to run messages about wanted criminals, crimes in progress, and high security alerts threatening the homeland. Clear Channel protecting America. Okay. Uh, thousands of same-sex couples in Oregon were hoping to uh, celebrate their uh, 2008, but instead they held vigils after a judge put a new law on hold that would give them some of the same spousal rights that heterosexual couples have. Hundreds of people gathered in uh, southeast Portland last night, still shocked over last week's decision by a federal judge to block the new law at least temporarily. All right, so uh, somebody has a question about this. Uh, let's see, Rick. When Tim gets to the story about those people from Tennessee somehow putting Oregon same-sex unions on hold, can somebody explain how exactly they are doing that? I know it was mentioned, but it was never really explained how they could have anything to do with what we do in our state. What gives? So let's see what we have here for an explanation. Opponents filed a last-minute lawsuit to stop the new law from going into effect. The number of signatures on the petition came up short to let voters weigh in, but they claimed county clerks wrongfully threw out some of the signatures. So... A judge put the law on hold until he can take a look at the issue. I'm so confused. All right, let me let me just. So this is some legalese thing. Okay, so but let me pull up a chair. So so I'll read that again if you want to. Hear. What? Okay, what was going on the ballot that they claim signatures were thrown out for? Was, was something yeah. going on the ballot to stop it? Opponents filed a last-minute lawsuit. They filed a lawsuit to okay. stop the new law from going into effect. All right. The number of signatures on their petition came up short to file the lawsuit. Right. To okay. let voters weigh in, but. They claim county clerks wrongfully threw out some of the signatures, so they're saying that some of the clerks threw out some of the okay. signatures. So, the, so, 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 uh, so same-sex partnerships were going to happen. A bunch of uh, hillbillies got together to stop they it. They joined our hillbillies here. Yes. Not that we don't have them. <laughs> no, no, they do. go about 10 miles I, in any direction. Leave, you'll find them. Leave the city perimeter and drive about five minutes. Um, so, uh, so a bunch of uh, pinheads got together to stop this. The state said, no, F you, you've got enough signatures, or right. you don't have enough. And then the pinhead said, no, 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 wait, it's because you illegally threw out some of our signatures. Mm -hmm. And so now the judge has basically just stopped everything until he sorts it out. Right. But I don't understand. And he's got to do that on the 1st of February. I don't understand. that You mentioned Tennessee several times. Now, are you just being wacky or is that? No, they're from Tennessee. But how, okay, but I think this is the crux of the question. And maybe we don't, maybe we have to have somebody else weigh in on this. I think we're going to have to. We're going to have to get somebody from the city to explain this. I mean, I don't understand how someone who doesn't live in Oregon, because mm -hmm. this is not a federal law, this is a state law. And I don't understand how somebody from Tennessee or, you know, wherever... Now, I believe that this is a federal judge involved. But even so, how would people from Tennessee be able to weigh in on a petition drive for an Oregon state ballot? That's mm -hmm. a good point. That is a good point. All right. Well, we got to figure out if somebody out there knows somebody from the city or if you work for the city, uh, either either anonymously or whatever, if you, somebody can hook us up. Because that's just going to bug me until I know... Mm -hmm. I gotta know who to hate here. I gotta know specifically. I gotta know where to. Put in the book? Seriously, I gotta know where to aim my hate. All right. Uh, so there, there is one bright spot: a non-discrimination law that covers bias crimes and gender identity is now in effect. All right. 
So, but that, not much of so that did so, of a bright spot. So that went into so that's a relative bit of, of good news. Yeah. All right. Uh it's five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. Five oh three uh seven three three two nine seventy. We'll take a break here. Uh we got uh let's see, we have Howard Robin of the Writers Guild of America coming up later on. More from Tim Riley in a moment. Uh let's see what else. Oh, more about Richie drinking the uh Cobra whiskey later on. And um Something else. What did I write down? There was something fascinating we were going to do. Well, it'll all come back to me later. Oh, Glorious Bastard of the Week. You say there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I'm going to say. Emerson Radio Program. All right, I think we've gotten to the bottom of this hillbilly bucket of trouble. So this email says, all right, tell me this sounds right to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this email says uh, about these nitwits uh, interfering in our own state lawmaking. It says, I'm sure the way the lawsuit is filed is that the people whose signatures were thrown out are claiming their federal civil rights were violated since their vote was thrown out. Therefore, it's a federal civil rights lawsuit and will be adjudicated by a federal judge. All that being Correct. said, F them, John and Gresham. I'm with you, sir. F them. Um, so they asked a U.S. District Judge Michael W. Mossman to intercede after the Oregon uh, Secretary of State's office ruled in October that they had failed to collect enough signatures. So anytime you don't like what a state does, you just go to the feds and they come in and cause trouble. So this is like the medical marijuana thing in Oakland where the state said, go ahead. If you're, if you have, if you're like 100 years old and have cancer, have yeah. some weed. Mm-hmm. And then somebody in some other state who didn't like it mm-hmm. uh, snarked about it. And then the federal judge stepped in. Right. So, so somebody's snarking about this from Tennessee, of all places. Of course. Well, because they, you know, theirs is the party of inclusion, Tim. So, mm-hmm. all right. So there you go. So, so that's that. Yeah. So and, and not that the state law... Uh, you know, gives gay couples a lot of rights because without the federal, without federal stuff, you really don't well, get that much. Uh, see, and I'm I'm uncorking a whole long rant that I'm going to have to I'm going to have to sort of curtail this myself. Otherwise, it's just going to be a whole long thing of me going and another thing. But really, honestly, as I think anybody with like even a first grade reading level should understand, this law shouldn't even need to be enacted anyway. Not I mean, apart from just like the bleeding obvious that you shouldn't care what anybody else is doing. Unless I'm missing something, we do have this thing called the United States Constitution. The United States Constitution has a series of changes or amendments. And the 14th Amendment does guarantee equal protection under the law to all citizens of the United States of America, born or naturalized. So equal protection under the law means that one cannot be discriminated against and that laws that apply to one group may not be unfairly applied to to or, or withheld from another group. So well, ex- except for this group of people, so it's taxation without representation, basically. That's what it comes down to. I think just, just, we, but as long as we have politicians who cater to the great unwashed, and there's no shortage of oh, them. No. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I understand why they're making these additional laws because you just can't teach some people to leave other people alone. So the idea that we have to have all these other laws just chafes at me because people really got to learn. Just, 
You know, I'm from the, I, as somebody I was uh, somebody asked me one time if I was a libertarian or a Democrat, and as I my stock answer, which is true, is that I am from the party of leave me alone. So I will leave you alone, you leave me alone, and we'll all be happy. And if you're in Tennessee, keep your opinions in Tennessee. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. See that? I got to stop it. I'm just going to be all bitter about it. The thing that irritates me. Are they in the book? Hold on. Let me. I think I put the Tennessee guys in the book. You might find them at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> Tennessee homophobes. I'm putting a check next to it, though. They're in the book twice. There you go. What's a big state? Be dealt with at the appropriate time. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about these uh, squirrely little politicians and what they're up to today. Uh, new spending numbers show that Mitt Romney has spent $45 million so far. Not that number work. includes a $21 million loan that he loaned himself. He's uh, worth about $250 million. He has refused to say right now uh, how much he spent in Iowa. But two weeks ago, the figure was around $7 million. Uh, this is to influence the votes of possibly 150,000 Iowa Republicans who usually attend the caucus. The polls show him gaining ground on Mike Huckabee, who is expected to uh, be in a tight race with uh, Romney. I'm a governor from uh, far away from Iowa. I'm coming to the state with when I started off with just a few percentage points. He's an underdog. I've been able to go up and down the state working harder than anybody else. And I'm in a tie for the top spot. Not going to work. Not going <laughs> to Exactly. You can just see. You see that guy? You can always, like, in your head, you can just imagine his hand going right for the belt. The next time you eat in New Hampshire, Don, make sure you order the mashed potatoes, because that's what all the natives eat. That's what... <laughs> Big bowls of mashed potatoes. The indigenous peoples of this land love taters and syrup. Uh, let's see. This email says, Rick, this is the final two emails we'll read about this. Rick, out-of-state conservative pinheads who love state rights either have local members or coordinate with local uh, like-minded groups of douches to, <laughs> to put the screw down on anybody they don't like. Uh, well, there's no shortage of self-hating, closeted homosexuals. No, no, there isn't. Conservative movements. Not just in Congress. Uh, and this is uh, this one says, Rick, if the inbreds from Tennessee want to screw around with our laws, I suggest we create a movement here in Oregon to file idiotic lawsuits in Tennessee. The first law I would put on the ballot is mandatory abortion and sterilization for everyone in the state. And I suggest we go through that seat with flamethrowers. <laughs> like a like Sherman's march. Yes. Just cutting up. When we took back the Philippines, <laughs> have our own little death march. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, can I tell you? I have a, I have a brand new. Uh, we have a brand new liner that uh, that Susan Reynolds I think came up with yesterday. I'm going to have our big voice guy do it now that it is election season. You just reminded me of that. Uh, the the Sherman's march through the South. Because really, certain people, when, as I said the other day, certain people who secede ought to just be left alone to secede. Tennessee's leaving the union. Bye. Bye. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Have fun. Um, I, we have a new liner cut uh, that is going to be on the station in the next few days. And it, it actually, I'm going to give you all the heads up now because it's great and terrible. It actually says, putting the AM in America. AM 970. Oh, I like that. Oh, it's genius. That's Susan Reynolds' case. So when you hear that, that is actually not me. I don't get any credit for that. That's Susan Reynolds. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there are those pundits out there who say uh, Fred Thompson is uh, struggling. Uh, Thompson says he's not giving up, despite what everybody thinks of him. Got a lot of work to do, one step at a time. We got several events today. We'll be on the bus uh, going back to uh, headquarters uh, early in the evening, and uh, we'll, you know, check the results and go from there. 
Oh, bear. It's, it's, a, it's all dirty politics, he says. I am the strong, consistent, common-sense conservative with national security credentials. I spent a good deal of my time in public service having to deal with the security issues of our country. And what I uh, believe today, I believe yesterday, is what I'll believe tomorrow. What you see is what you get. You're darn tootin'. <laughs> Which, did he really just string three different cliches together like yeah. that? All right. Don't laugh. It's paid for. Uh, the I said O'Bear there because I was actually conflating about four different things. First, I was thinking that he sounded like Winnie the Pooh, but it's not really that. It's that he sounds like Eeyore when he talks, but then at the same time, he sounds like Snuffleupagus, who has that, oh, bird, kind of a thing going on. It just, I mean, and Fred Thompson just looks like some weird blubbery caricature of himself where he's just all he's all paunch and lower lip that guy yeah yeah it doesn't matter you want to work lisa desjardins uh, she made a prediction uh she put her money down that he will withdraw within 48 hours of the iowa caucus which would be uh like saturday night so oh maybe he'll just sit on the sidelines for a few months and then come back in and say hey remember me remember me i didn't really want for president uh everybody was telling me i ought to and here i am again that's all i have to say Hey, that Oregon woman arrested for driving with a blunt alcohol level that was seven times the legal limit once starred in a country music video that was shot here in Portland. Uh, deputies found 30-year-old Megan Harper passed out inside a car at a restaurant. She appeared in court last week, but the judge set bail at $50,000 and told her to get help or you'll end up dying or taking someone with you. According to the smoking gun, Harper starred in the Brooks and Dunn video for the 1993 single, Rock My World, You Little Oh, boy, girl. I hate that song. No. She's responsible for it. Well, can I see a picture of her? Is she hot? I guess she was at one time. She doesn't, still doesn't look too bad. Well, head's kind of squashy looking, but you can see that she was probably passable before she, before she went on a 10-year drinking binge. Oh, speaking of uh, women who are, like, looking younger than they were in their 20s, uh -huh. last night there was uh, the show on uh, OPD called Pioneers of Television. Right. Marlo Thomas looks younger than she did really? in the 1960s. Okay, I have to... I have to Mary Tyler Moore... Has like a permanent smile with her mouth wide open. No, she's got a Joker uh, thing going on. She and looks... she has short hair. Yeah. And who else? Barbara Eden also looks like she oh, does in the 19... I so love all three of these women. Still look the same as they did back in their hands. Now, does Barbara Eden look still reasonably good, or is it yeah. scary plastic surgery good? Half plastic surgery, half reasonably good. A uh, man, Barbara Eden. Oh man, uh, I gotta. Be, that's another thing where I gotta be careful because I'll just do these long, long flights of fancy about Barbara Eden and how and her airbrushed navel. Yeah. You know, people don't realize that. You go back and watch I Dream of Jeannie. She has no navel. They they brushed it out on television because it was considered scandalous. Um, God, j j what a stunningly, truly beautiful woman she was. Yeah. Uh, and still attractive. She's still good looking. Uh, you know who else was really hot? And I don't know if she still is. She might even be dead. I don't really know. Is Barbara Feldon. Is Barbara Feldon still alive? Agent 99? Oh, I from think Get she's Smart. dead. Barbara Feldon? Maybe. Okay. When, Where's one, she been? I don't she's know. alive. Where is she? One babe at a time. Sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. Well, let me look here. Uh, Marlo Thomas. Okay. These are recent photos. Yeah. Uh, she looks good. Yeah. Even better than she did back in the days of that girl. Wow. She looks really, really beautiful still. Yep. Good for her. Well done, Marlo Thomas. She's married to Phil Donahue, isn't she? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Go, go, Phil. Excellent. Um, let's see. So yeah, that's okay. Then Marlo Thomas. Okay, I gotta look up. She's still really attractive. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm impressed. And you can tell that's not all makeup and plastic surgery. I mean, she has, she's done something right. She's, uh, she's, uh, she's taking care of herself. All right, I gotta see a Bar. Oh man, speaking of Barbara Feldon and Agent 99 and Get Smart, when I went to see Charlie Wilson's War. 
there was uh, several different layers of revelation as I walked by the lobby posters. There was the poster for the uh, Dark Knight, which is the uh, the Joker Why So Serious poster, which is creepy and great, right next to the Indiana Jones 4 poster, which is glorious. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. I thought so. I'm like, wonderful, wonderful. And then on the way to the theater, I walk by a poster for the Get Smart movie. No, no. Yeah, I with Steve Carell, who must be in everything now, and some woman. So does that mean there's going to be like a Gomer Pyle movie coming out soon? I think there was, wasn't there? Was there? Wasn't there a Gomer Pyle Not movie a few remember. years ago? Pro- probably. Okay, there was a um, uh, there was a McHale's Navy movie. That was terrible. I worked on that promotion. Really? Yes. Was it? Was that Celtic Grammar? Was a, yeah, it was a. Ter- oh no, you're that thinking, was a Periscope. You're up, up Periscope, which I worked on too. And what I was McHale's that. Navy? Who was in that? It's like John Goodman or, t- uh, or, or uh, who was the guy that was married to Roseanne? Oh, Tom Arnold? Tom Arnold was in that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. another disaster. <laughs> Mikhail's Navy was a movie. The Chipmunks movie came out and went. Um, I think there might have been... There was a Dennis the Menace movie, two of them, actually. Mm-hmm. There was a Little Rascals movie about three years ago. I think there might have been a Gomer Pyle movie. And if not, you know it's in the works. You know that yeah. it's in the pipeline. I mean, they're, they're, Christ, they're making an AT movie and a Knight Rider movie right now. So, anyway. So, yeah, they're making a Get Smart film with Steve Carell that no one will care oh, about. No, no, I'm not going to watch that. All right, I'm going to look up uh, Barbara Feldon. This is Tim Riley. Uh, some residents of Daytona Beach, Florida, and other parts of Florida. Where? Florida. I'm busy looking up Barbara Feldon. Oh, you tried and right. failed. Yes, I Are having, like, the coldest morning ever. It's snowing in Florida. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder if this has anything to do with that like, power plant that blew up or something last week. A hard freeze warning is issued for areas of that state. Uh, hundreds of Central Floridians are without power on the coldest day in years due to several outages. So, uh, and apparently the uh, the citrus growers are preparing for possibly frozen fruit. This happened a few years ago too. All the fruit is freezing, and that means uh, so all the prices get to be uh, jacked up. But Barbara Feldon. Uh, born March 12th, 19... How old would you say she is, Tim? How old would you guess that Barbara Feldman from Get Smarter? So she's probably born mid-30s or late 30s. 1932. Oh, my. Uh, 1932, so she is 75, 70... Wait, is that right? 76? 76. God, I wish I could do math. 76. Barbara Feldman is older than my mother. Oh, my God. That really makes me feel weird. All right. Let's not think about that. Um, so, yeah, still alive, though. Um, so where is she real? Why is she out of the public eye? She is guest starred in Cheers. She was on uh, Mad About You, apparently. Let's see. Um, in 2007, she provided audio commentaries for the long-awaited Get Smart DVD set. Just audio? Being the only principal cast member still alive. Don Adams having died in 2005, and Edward Platt, who played Chief, yeah. uh, having died in 1974. Uh, she, um, uh, she apparently has done guest spots on TV shows. Um, and uh, so forth. Uh, in 2003, Feldon authored Living Alone and Loving It, a self-help guide to assist single people of all ages live more fulfilling lives. Um, yeah, I think she only did the audio commentary. Because, you know, so maybe, she's, maybe she's like the Betty Page thing, where she is at the point where she doesn't want to be in public anymore because she's aged. It's like I was watching... Um, so she's living like some Norma Desmond lifestyle. Totally. It's the pictures that got small. Uh, sitting there playing um, playing poker with uh, with Buster Keaton. Um, the uh, I gotta watch that again. Boy, what a great and depressing yeah, film that, that is. You never do. No. It's just as horrible and filled with razors as it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was watching one of my favorite films, uh, it, my favorite rock mu- music films of all time, which is a movie called Backbeat. 
um, who has Stephen Dorff, who I typically hate, uh, but it's a movie about the Beatles in the Hamburg era, and it ends right before they become big. It ends just as they put out their first single. And it covers the Beatles from 60, uh, like 60 to 62, and it ends right as they put out Love Me Do, but it's about Stuart Sutcliffe, who was the original bassist, and sort of his friendship with John Lennon, uh, and how it was tested by Stuart uh, Sutcliffe's relationship with uh, this girl, Astrid uh, Kircher, um, who took all of the early Beatles photographs. Anyway, it's a totally true story, and he left the Beatles to be with her and go to art school, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, but as, and she was played by Cheryl Lee from Twin Peaks. Yes, Cheryl Lee. Hmm. Um, anyway, but on the audio commentary, the real Astrid Kircher is there, but she very wisely chose not to be... They have an interview with her, but it's all audio interview with just pictures uh, from from that era on the screen. She chose not to be on camera, and it's because I think she knew that the movie depicts her as being so beautiful, which she was, that she didn't want to kind of sully the image. So it is possible. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Anyway, uh, let's do a Britney watch, Fantastic. shall we? Fantastic. Sure, Britney watch for uh, Thursday. All the way to show. custody battle with Kevin Federline is quitting. The law firm Trope and Trope asked the court to be relieved as Spears attorneys. The film said he's going to break down the communication with the pop princess that makes representing her impossible. The message left with the publicist at Spears record label has not been returned. TMZ reported that Britney's deposition in her custody battle was scheduled for yesterday, but she didn't show up again. Last month, she claimed she was too ill to testify. Uh, TMZ cut her partying on the same night. Meanwhile, Zoe 101 will keep going despite the pregnancy of its star. The Post reports Nickelodeon has no plans to yank the show, even though the unmarried 16-year-old Jamie Lynn Spears has announced that she is expecting. You see, the fourth season of the show was already filmed, and there's no need to handle a pregnancy on the show, which is scheduled to begin airing tomorrow. Oh, the other thing is, uh, the pregnancy does not pose a threat to the show's franchise because... It includes millions of dollars in merchandising and DVD sales. By the way, I'm going to start incorporating the phrase, the bastard Spears child, into my vocabulary as of now. It is the most watched show on television among kids ages 9 through 14. Impressionable young minds, Tim, being warped by sexual deviance. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as soon as the season's done, she's out. Oh, she's host. Yeah, there's, um, there's no way. And, uh, and, just, and then we'll, in, just, in just one moment here. Uh, uh, we will uh, we will welcome uh, Howard Rodman to the program from the Rogers Guild. Um, it, but it, I got to ask a couple things. A, I keep losing track. This thing that Brittany was supposed to show up for and didn't was this about the child custody or was this her thing for driving without a license? I, there's like nine different things she's supposed to be in court Let's for see. all the time, and uh, then the she cu- never. The custody battle was yesterday, and she never shows up for any of them. And the other one was the driving thing. And uh, so the question is like, how many court dates can you miss before they finally just? Tire of I thought in a post Paris Hilton going to jail and crying like a small child world, we would get to see Britney Spears put in a cage like a common animal. No, she gets to drive around on the wrong side of the street and steal lighters. And nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Motivation enough to become famous. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there's your Britney watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
Dave, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right, here's what's coming up. we got uh, more telephone calls on the way. We'll do the uh, top five later. Uh, I think we're, what are we giving, we're giving away a copy of Jackass 2.5 today uh, and more news from Tim Riley. All right, let's now welcome uh, to the Rick Emerson Show uh, Howard Rodman, who is... Um, <coughs> I'm sorry. There we go. Uh, Howard Rodman, who is a board member of the Writers Guild uh, of America, uh, who wrote, uh, is a writer slash was a writer on Saving Grace uh, and a professor at USC, and who I believe has actually two films showing at Sundance this month. Uh, Howard Rodman, is any of what I just said correct? It's good enough for folk music. Fantastic. Excellent. I was trying to read my own handwriting here, and I realized it was a losing proposition about four words in, so I just... Oh, you should have become a doctor. I plunged on ahead, sir. Um... All right. Well, first and foremost, um, you and I want to make sure that I've got this right. So you, in what capacity, are in the Writers Guild? Is a member or on the board, or what do you do? Sure. I, I'm a member of the Writers Guild, have been for more than a decade, but I now serve on the board of the Writers Guild of America West. And so what role uh, did you play, if any, in the decision to go out on strike? When the negotiating committee came to us and said they weren't getting anywhere, we were the body that voted to take the guild out on strike. When is the last time this happened? It was, what, 20 years ago, something like that? Uh, the last time this happened was 1988. 1988. And how long did that strike last? That <clears throat> that strike lasted, I believe, um, four and a half months. So this is it's two months, but it already just seems interminable. Oh, it, I mean, it, it, it certainly does, doesn't it? I can't even remember. I was saying this yesterday, but I can't remember actually a time when there wasn't a writer's strike. It's, I think that's partially my short American attention span. And also because there's been so much carpet bombing of this in the media that it just seems like it's been the status quo like forever. Um, so I have a couple questions to ask you, uh, things that have just sort of cropped up here in the show, but just to kind of get the writer's guild side of the story up, because I think people have maybe a flawed perception of some of these issues. So first and foremost, at at the root of this, it's the writers asking to get a little slice of the so-called new media, which is what is that? DVDs and the internet downloads and absolutely new media is the stuff that your kid understands that you don't. New media is um, downloading movies over the internet. New media is um, all of that kind of thing that is made possible by digital media. It's the it's the future is what we're fighting for here. And, and you guys, the writers get a get a slice of uh, media that are more than ten or twelve years old, like VHS. The writers get a piece of that. Well, we currently get a piece of that, although a very slim piece. For instance, if you buy a DVD of a movie that I wrote, um, you pay thirty dollars, and I get four cents. Uh, I would do I would do better returning an empty can of Coke. Yeah. But what we're trying to make sure is that in new media, in the way that things are going to be done in the future, and the way, in fact, things are done now, uh, again, you know, if you're advanced or if you have a kid in the house, um, that we get a share of the revenue that our work produces. For instance, uh, what the companies are proposing right now is that if I write a TV show and you watch it not on your TV set but on um, – your internet set or whatever it's going to be in the next three, four, or five years, um, that I would get nothing for the first six weeks. Then after that, I would get $250, and then after that, I would get nothing again. So they're trying basically to um, replace what uh, many people had relied upon for salary, for health care, for pension, and replace it with what is in essence uh, <laughs> a kind of tip. Thank you for writing. The, uh, what is the biggest misperception, misconception, whatever the, a word like that, what, what is the biggest misconception um, that the public has about this? You have to ask Jamie Lynn about that. 
I'm sorry? If you're talking about misconceptions, you'd have to ask Jamie Lynn about uh, that. Yes. Sorry, wait, hold I'm without my rim shot. Sorry, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have that. Uh, the, 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 you talk to the average guy in the street, and you say, hey, what about the writers? And you, you hear a lot of people who go, well, I don't know, some guy who makes $9 million for writing some words. Screw him. And is, I mean, the, the average guy who's cranking out a script in Hollywood is not independently wealthy, though. No. Uh, in fact, um Forty-eight percent of our membership in any given year makes no income whatsoever from their writing. I mean, you can really? sell a script. Forty-eight percent. Forty-eight percent. You you can you can be a professional writer. You can sell a script, and even if with a uh, if you're talented, and even with some breaks, not sell another script for another two years, three years, four years. Uh, if you have a, a safe staff job on a TV show. Statistically, five years from now, you won't have a staff job on a TV show. This all sounds so familiar. It's... Um, so that's part of it. But the other part of it is even when we work, some people get paid very well for their work, and, and, and I think should be. Uh, but our, uh, if you take a, a five-year average, um, our average member makes $61,000, $62,000 a year, which is certainly nice money, but certainly isn't a uh, bloody fortune. It's not the kind of money that uh, the Rupert Murdochs of this world make. Talking to Howard Rodman uh, from the Writers Guild of America. So the, uh, have the talks just stopped, or are they just very slow? The talks have stopped. What happens is, happened is that the companies, um, which is basically uh, Fox and Viacom and GE, the large corporations which control pretty much uh, all of what you see and most of what you hear, they walked out of the negotiations. There was a great deal of public pressure brought to bear that brought them back. They stayed back in the negotiations for two weeks and then uh, walked out again. So what we're trying to do is get them back to the table so that we can get um, – uh, this all resolved and get a reasonable contract. Is there any fear that uh, at the end of this, everybody, the writers and studios, are just going to take it in the shorts because Americans are just going to have drifted away and amused themselves with 10 years of Cheers reruns on DVD? Well, there is that fear. Certainly in the 1988 strike, network television lost about 10% of its audience during the strike, and that 10% never came back. It either migrated to cable or went other places. And certainly there is the fear that if this strike goes on long enough, people's viewing habits will change, people's entertainment habits will change. So I think the way to avoid that happening is for the companies to come back to the negotiating table and get this resolved quickly. Well, let me ask you a question, uh, sure. not to be uh, doom-laden about this. Oh, but <laughs> feel free. Is, January 3rd. Is there any reason why the studios with their vast – and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'll say this. I don't mean to speak for everybody, but speaking for myself – uh, I am certainly the first to admit that, as Marilyn Monroe once said, um, to paraphrase her, the writers always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop uh, in Hollywood. Uh, so there's, no one is under the impression that the writers are not being shafted, because they are in a very real way. But is there any reason why the big studios, with their endless financial wherewithal, can't just hunker down and starve you guys out? Just say, well, look, you need us more than we need you. You know, we're going to run reruns for the next ten years. You know, come back to us. Well, certainly, um, you know, they're capable of stabbing themselves in the chest with a fork if they want to, but it doesn't make economic sense for them. It doesn't make economic sense for their stockholders. Wall Street analysts are being very clear that it, it uh, already they have lost more money due to the strike than they could possibly have spent on giving us a reasonable contract. It doesn't make sense for the advertisers who have already asked for at least a billion dollars of their upfront advertising money back. And I think ultimately um, it's just scorched earth. Uh, the amount of money that it would take to pay writers fairly and reasonably is far, far less than they're going to lose by, as you say, hunkering down. There's also the possibility that at a certain point uh, writers will say, you know what, uh, we don't really need
that much anymore. I mean, there's Google, there's Yahoo, there's all kinds of other ways now that didn't used to exist of getting your work before the public. It's funny, we're talking to Howard Robin from the WGA here on KCMD Portland. Uh, I read an article this morning, actually, that uh, there was a lot of... In another industry, there was a little bit of a ruckus uh, last week when it was announced that Jay-Z was stepping down as the president of Def Jam Records because he'd been there for three years and they didn't renew the contract. And nobody kind of knew why. They were like, well, why would you leave the presidency of the most respected hip-hop label in the world? And it was announced this morning that Jay-Z and Steve Jobs of Apple are forming their own record label. Um, and it, the, the time when everything was controlled by a small coterie of media companies is over. I mean, it's just drawn to a close. So there are a lot of outlets for, for you guys to uh, to get your, your work out there. Um, it, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if, you, if we're living in a world now where Radiohead can release its own album uh, via downloads and say pay what you will and still do better than if they'd had an expensive album released by a record company, uh, people, I think, are going to realize that the bottleneck of distribution, which the big companies used to have the lock on, they don't have the lock-on anymore. Uh, Letterman and Leno and those guys going back uh, to work last night, good or bad for the writers' guild? I think this is great for the writers. First of all, I think um, uh, the amount of support that the writers have gotten from Leno, from Letterman, from Conan uh, has been just great. Uh, all through the strike, they've been very supportive of their writing staffs. Um, uh, Conan, for instance, has paid his staff out of his own pocket, even when the network pink slipped people. Um, Leno has uh, been uh, financially supportive of his staff and has driven by the picket line quite often bringing donuts. Um, and I think it's really good that these people are back. As Conan O'Brien said last night, uh, we're back now, sadly, but we don't have our writers with us. I want to make this clear. I support their cause. These are very talented, very creative people who work extremely hard, and I believe what they're asking for is fair. My biggest wish is that they get a great deal very quickly and get back here because we desperately need them. We're here with uh, Howard Robin for the Writers Guild of America. Tim Riley, uh, our newsman, I think, had a... Uh, Tim? I, I do have a question. Absolutely. Um, I've heard a lot of the network brass saying, okay, so if we don't have written shows, we still have reality shows. So my question is... Uh, the hosts of these reality shows use scripted elements written by your writers, and if not, why not? Well, of course they do. I mean, uh, for instance, American Idol claims to be a reality show, but if you believe that every word that emerges from the Ryan Seacrest mouth originates in the Ryan Seacrest head, um, <laughs> then there's a bridge I'd like to sell you. I mean, even um, my kid who, you know, um, he's 14 years old, says, you know, come on, Dad, don't, don't you get it? You know, he's telepathic. He, a thought in his head originates, and, and, and then a word appears on the teleprompter. So, of course, the, these quote-unquote reality shows are written. I also think there, there's a limit to the uh, amount of appetite that the American public has for watching episode 23 of The Iron Plumber. Well, so here's... So my question, well, and because I don't really know a lot about how Hollywood works, so then who is writing the reality shows, and are they scabbing? Uh, the people who have been writing the reality shows are writers, very often Writers Guild members. If you look on the credits of a reality show and look for credits that say things like story producer uh -huh. or segment producer, that's where they're hiding the writers. They don't mind having writers because they need them desperately. They just don't want to pay them health. They don't want to pay them pension. They don't want to pay them real wages. And they don't want to have protections against working them 18, 24 so, hours a day. So are those writers, I mean, are those writers scabs? I know you guys are trying not to use that word, but is that what they are? Um, anyone who is writing for a struck show is somebody I would consider a scab. And I would say to my brothers and sisters, 
for gosh sakes, don't help the networks and the motion picture studios maintain this strike a day longer than necessary. Let's all get this settled and get everybody back to work. So I, I would say uh, probably the Writers Guild would probably want to focus on bringing the attention that, yes, these reality shows are scripted because you want to reach a younger audience. With the talk shows themselves, uh, a Letterman or a Leno, you're basically talking to an older audience. And mostly advertisers go after the younger demos who watch these reality shows. I, I would say they should probably focus on bringing to the public's attention more that they do work on these reality shows. And they are hurting because of the strike. Well, I think so. And, again, I think... Um there's a limit to the amount of, quote, reality, unquote, that people actually want to see. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I like, um, uh, you know, I would watch a show called Ow My Balls, but after you see a guy get a sledgehammer in the crotch for the 34th time, I mean, do you, is that really more interesting than, than what you can find on the Internet? Can I just tell you, your street cred has gone up so much with us with that reference. Well done, sir. Your tote board is raising. Thank you. Uh, if, and, and I know you, you may not want to be asked about this, but what do you make of this thing today that Leno himself was scabbing by writing stuff for The Tonight Show? That's a, that's a really gray area. There is a writer's guild regulation which excludes from the basic agreement uh, material written by hosts for themselves. Um, Leno has been incredibly supportive of his writers and supportive of the strike, and um, I don't want to go parse the, the, the fine Hello? Hello, hi. I don't want to parse the fine print of the contract on this one. All right. Uh, to the best of your knowledge, and I know to whatever extent you know or can talk about this, Letterman's company reached a, a detente with the writers. He came to an agreement. D do you know, can you say if Letterman reached an agreement with the writers that was anything resembling what they want from the studios? Oh, absolutely. I can, I can talk about that. Yeah. The agreement that we got with Letterman, we would be very happy to make with anybody else. Um, it includes what we were asking for in terms of Internet and new media, uh, it uh, It's a very good deal for writers, and it's the kind of deal which if NBC were to call us today and say, we'll make that deal, we would make that with Is them. that Dave himself who made that decision ultimately? That was made by the Worldwide Pants Company, whether uh, who's wearing the Worldwide Pants, whether that's Dave or the um, you know attorneys or whatnot, I really don't know. Um, but what it does mean is that David Letterman and Craig Fer Ferguson are uh, the only, uh, as he said, you're watching The Late Show, the only show on the air that now has jokes written by union writers. Fantastic. Uh, all right, as we wrap it up, is the website something, if people want to know more about it, or they want to, I don't know to what extent, like the average non-writer can lend support or whatever, but is there a, where should people go to, to kind of find well, out Well, absolutely. It? I mean, you can always go to WGA.org, which is the official union website. I think um, the more interesting updates and opportunities to support your writers are at unitedhollywood.com. And then if you go to firedoglake.com slash WGA, there's a petition you can send to the folks at your network of your favorite show saying, come back to the table, settle with the writer, let's stop the reruns and get these shows back on the air. All right, my friend. Well, best of luck to you in sticking it to the man, Howard Rodman uh, from the Writers Guild of America. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. There you go. Richie, if you can uh, make sure we've got his contact in front of everything. Howard Rodman. Excellent. He's a very cool guy. He was totally cool. Yeah. See, uh, a fraction of the writers actually do work every year. 48% make no income in a year. It's probably the same as SAG. SAG has 120,000 members. Jesus. And a very tiny percentage work every year. Wow. That is, that, I had no idea it was that high. That is, yeah. That's, you know. Well, all right. So there you go. Uh... And I, you know, and I don't want to get into a whole huge land war about this because everybody, you know, because you get 
we do live in a capitalist society, and studios can do what they want to do, but I think the writers are well within their rights to say, F you then. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to crank out any of your crap until you pay as well. So, actually, well, thank, well that, that guy was great. And I, he really sidestepped the, the Leno thing pretty well. I was, I was wondering, I'm wondering how they're going to kind of deal with that. But, all right. Um, well, we're here. It's only 1.15. So let's do these calls, a couple stories, and then we'll break and uh, come back reset at the bottom. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, Rick, you got me sidetracked with Britney Spears in a cage. That was good. Chain uh, heat, sir. So as far as your tree goes, yeah. you can't just take the thing and put it out by the recycling, depending on your company. Uh, they'll charge you for it if they haul it off. How do they charge you? Oh, uh, just, They'll just bill you. It happened to me years ago. What if I just don't pay it? Well, I don't know about all that. Then who will bill me? The sanitation company? Really? Yeah, exactly. You're recycling. Do they literally just send me a bill saying we picked up a tree, pay us $12? Oh, yeah, totally. But when somebody moved out of my apartment, they left all of their crap next to our garbage bin. And the well, that's fine. I don't mind that. I mean, it, I, I mean, I and I would pay it, by the way. I mean, I don't mind that. If they're going to buy... If I can just put it on my curb and they'll pick it up for like 15 bucks or whatever, that's fine. Yeah, that's one out. Or you can uh, just basically leave the thing in your yard but not out by the curb. A lot of organizations, churches, Boy Scouts, they'll just roll by your house. It happens in my neighborhood every year. There are a lot of churches in my neighborhood. Oh, sure. And they'll give you, you give them three or four bucks, and they'll haul the thing off for you. That is the good thing about religious people. They're always willing to work for peanuts. It's all true. All God right. likes Christmas trees. It is. Thank you, sir. I had one other thing, but I spaced it. I'll give you five seconds to think about it. Oh. oh. Yes. Feeling Richie's pain. Oh, that's just brutal. I'm on the phone there. Oh, no. Just, just, uh, he sounds terrible, oh, even now. God, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Thank even you. All Bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, this is me. Hey. Hi. Um, I was going to say, uh, on the subject of Mikhail's Navy, <laughs> ah, ever, how I know, that I know, phrase. it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh-huh. If you ever read Bruce Campbell's autobiography, If Chins Could Kill. Yes, sir. There's a big section on how much he hated working on McHale's Navy because he's one of the guys yeah. standing in the background. Yeah. And uh, he uh, tells a story about uh, getting the script from his agent and thumbing uh, through looking for his character's name in the dialogue scenes and having to do it twice because he realized that there aren't any uh, dialogue scenes written with anybody. It's just all, you know, McHale and guys... <laughs> Mikhail, Mikhail and crew. third man from left. Yeah. Yep. No, he's, uh, that uh, book is pretty great, actually, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor. Uh, yep. It's a pretty clear-eyed view, I think, of how that level of uh, of the filmmaking industry works. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you, my friend. You did. All right. From 1997, the promo quote from that movie is, Dare to Rock the Boat. Really? Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Mikhail's Navy. Starring Tom Arnold, Deborah Messing. David Allen Greer, Tim Curry, and Ernest Borgnine. Tim Curry? Yeah, that's what it says. Well, he's the thing that doesn't belong there. And Ernest Borgnine, of course. Mm-hmm. He was just in a movie recently on Lifetime. I think he's like 92. Ernest Borgnine? Was it a recent? I mean, was it a movie made recently? Yeah. Well, God bless him. I mean, he's a working actor. Boy, what an ugly man he is, though. He's always been ugly and old. Yeah, I, think he's a... matter, I was watching some movie he was in in 1955, and he and his wife were getting ready to retire. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> So how long could he have been in 1955? <laughs> he and his wife are getting ready to retire. That is fantastic. i got to look him up right now. Okay, Ernest let's see here. Borg 9. I don't even know how you spell Borg 9. Has anybody ever made, like, the, the obligatory Star Trek, we're being invaded by the Borg 9? B-O-R-G-N-I-N-E. All right, here we go. Here are really old photographs of him, and he's really old looking. No, he's always been old. You're right. He was born middle-aged, like Steve Martin. Jesus. 
Yeah, this, yeah, he's what a hideously bless you. What a hideously unattractive man he is. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's, you know, he's a successful actor. Mm-hmm. Had many, uh, you know, he was the studio's choice to be Don Corleone. He was an Airwolf with Jan Michael Vincent. I mean, I do dig him, but really, just not not a good looking man at all. He's the kind of guy that probably couldn't become a movie star these days. He does have that sort of fifties hard boiled look to him. The man in the gray flannel suit. His wife's really pretty. Is he? Well, he's he's rich and famous. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Where is is there Mrs. Borgnine? Where is his wife? In the red dress, are you on IMDb? No, oh, I'm just on uh, I'm just on Google Image Search. Oh wait, you know you know what I love? Here's what I love on Google Image Search is when you look up a celebrity picture and the picture they show is an autographed photo someone has scanned in. Let's mm-hmm. see who this was autographed to. Oh, I can't. Let's see. To Susan, best wishes, Ernest Borgnine. Fantastic. How about that? There used to be a. Uh, well, it used to be an autographed photo. There was some photo that somebody autographed to me at one point that somehow ended up being scanned on the Internet. It was, like, floating around. I don't know what it was. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey. I just heard your news about a Christmas tree. This is Judy in the Coob. Hello. Hi. Um, I not only got charged $22 for my tree to be picked up, uh-huh. but $5 to clean the pine needles it left on the ground. Really? Yes. In the Coob? They care about that sort of a thing? <laughs> I was so amazed. I, I I said, you know, 22 I thought was kind of high for the tree. That would but... raise the total cost of my tree to like $35, and I'm not going to pay that. Uh, and I bought it. I bought from the Boy Scouts. Yeah. You know, I thought... <laughs> no, I'm not going to... Yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's... But I thought, you know, $8, whoever was, was worried about that, I'm thinking, boy, I wish, because well, I literally got a bill in the mail well, five days later You know, in this part of the country, as we found out yesterday, they can't even find D.B. Cooper, and that guy had $200,000 on him. So if they can't find that, if they don't look hard enough to find $200,000, they're not going to find my tree if I just go pitch it into the woods somewhere. So oh. I think that's going to be my plan. I'm going to put it in the back of my truck, and I'm going to go kick it into the forest. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, I think I might just do that, only leave it decorated and put it in the middle of the freeway. Hey, there you go. And you, and you know what? You call and leave it, it per- pretty. performance art. There you go. All right, excellent. Thank you. Good night, guys. All right. Five dollars to clean up needles? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, no. Uh, I guess they clean up blood for nothing. <laughs> yeah, they can't power hose the needles away. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, couple questions. Maybe they about thought it was this. another kind of needle. Yes? couple questions about the movies. Are they getting Hasselhoff in the uh, Knight Rider movie? Uh, I don't know the answer to that because I've tried to block out everything about that Knight Rider film. It's, Doesn't Isn't it Joe Bluth? Uh, what's it? Will Arnett? Else. Isn't he the voice of Kit in the new Knight Rider film? And he doesn't he actually say, like, hello, Michael. Mm. I mean, that just, yeah, th- do you know, let me ask you this, sir. Do you know if they're playing the Knight Rider movie straight or are they doing it as like a goof? I, I don't even know. The first I heard about it was, was when you'd mentioned it. And I got to thinking, will, you know, will it be, will it be true to the movie and they're going to take it seriously? Or are they going to Starsky and Hutch it? I'm or just kind of gonna... tired of everything. I understand that Knight Rider was effectively a dumb show, ditto the A-Team, but I'm kind of tired of everything coming out as like a bad, naked gun style movie. You know, it's like... Well, they they could do an Aliens versus Predator thing and kill two birds with one stone and have Knight Rider and Airwolf together. Blue Thunder versus Airwolf, sir. That's the way you need to roll it. You need to roll Blue Thunder. Let's get Ernest Borgnine in the jumpsuit and let's get Roy Scheider out there. And roll Jan Michael Vincent in his wheelchair right onto the ship. And while they're doing it, they uh, they can have the... The trailer for the MacGyver movie and get, you know, what's his name? Uh, why isn't there a MacGyver movie? You well, hit that's the, what I was thinking. Oh, nail yeah. on the head. Okay, first of all, a couple things here. A, as I said, I'm just tired of everything being done as a parody. It's like, you know what it is? It's like all of these old TV shows being made into movies are being made by the guys who did, like, a scary movie. 
You know, and it's like, because it's right. just like a, you know, why waste $50 million making a bad version of Airplane, which is what they all turn out to be? Why isn't there, we all had that thought, why is there not a MacGyver film? God damn it, I love MacGyver. And it could be produced by the Leatherman Corporation. Yes. Screw Swiss Army Knife. Thank you, sir. God bless you. No. Thank you. Hey, my, my final thing. Yeah. You have to leave your Christmas tree up until this Sunday, you realize. Why? Uh, 12th day of Christmas. Oh, I hadn't really thought about that. Wait, and then when you, yeah. and then disposal, proper disposal of a Christmas tree, just throw it out on my Mount Tabor. Okay, no, that's done and done. Just kick it down a hill into a ditch. There it is. All right, thank you. All right, bye now. Here's Tim Riley. Now we find out that 55-year-old man who was found in a pool of blood next to his dead 90-year-old mother in the Couve was released from jail just last week. David Gall faces an accusation of first-degree murder in the death of Junette M. Gall. Her death is the first Vancouver homicide of 2008. Well done. His bail is $750,000. Uh, apparently, Gall's former girlfriend had uh, gone to the house after phone conversations with him. Prompted her concern for his mother's well-being, she was worried to the point that she drove all the way from Portland to the Couve. The woman found a hidden key when inside the house she found Gall, lying on the floor and bracing his dead mother's bloody body. She left the home and called police. The woman went back inside and saw David Gall moving slightly. Oh, this is weird, isn't it? So he's, he was uh, released from Portland, Portland's Inverness Jail December 27th, just in time for the new year, after serving nine months on warrants for driving under the influence. Merry Christmas. He also had drunk driving warrants from 2004 and 2006. So, uh, I need the chair again. Hold on. Some of these stories, it's like my internal CPU just slows to a crawl. So... Who got suspicious? Who's the woman? The former girlfriend of this guy in jail. All right. Who got so out of jail. She hadn't heard from the mom. Yes. And she said, I wonder what's so up with that. this was her former boyfriend's mom. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Sort of kind of mother-in-law. Okay. So she hadn't heard from the 90-year-old woman for a long time. Says, I'll yeah. go check it out. Walks in the house. The woman is dead, covered in blood, and the 55-year-old son is covered in blood, moving slightly, clutching his mother's bloody corpse. Correct. And then she decided, I'm going to leave again and call the man about this. So the mom had attempted to get a restraining order against your son earlier Wednesday, but arrived at the courthouse too late. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's the unkindest cut of all. Yes. 501. Sorry, come back. Window window closed. Come back tomorrow. That's no good. That's like the, that's uh, awful. That's like the phone ringing from the governor three seconds after they throw the switch. That's mm -hmm. no good at all. Jesus. That, you know what it is? That's just like that story from last week, that liver transplant girl. Oh, yeah. Where the insurance company wouldn't cover her liver transplant, and then everybody kind of said, quit being bastards, and they changed their mind, but like an hour after she was dead. She died, and they're like, oh, no, no, we'll give you the liver after all. Oh, never mind. But then so. they probably, this is just an isolated case. Yeah, no. Usually it doesn't happen. It was niche, just an oversight. It won't happen. Niche case. So, well, okay. So that guy's creepy. Well, at least he was from Washington. And that's the uh, first death in the coup this year. All right. So there's been many birth, more to come. Birth and death. The Alpha and the Omega. Right. Oh wait, were you doing the uh were you doing Ben Casey just there? I guess I was. No, it's it's life, death, infinity or something like that. Man, woman, birth, death, infinity. Isn't that how it went? I think so. I haven't seen that show in the longest time. I don't think that's out on D V D. Can you get Ben Casey on D V D? We'll have to ask Richie. Sure, they're making a terrible version of it with Will Ferrell right now. All right. Uh, and Adam Sandler as Ben Casey. 
Uh, and Steve Carell as Dr. Gillespie. <laughs> because they have to be in everything. All no, that's Robin now. Williams. Oh, Jesus. Well, you know. I mean, you know what's coming. You know, they're just strip mining everything. Uh, there is no present, only recycled past. Uh, here is Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, and we'll take a break. The lawyer for a Seattle area man says his client doesn't remember dropping a female passenger aboard United Airlines flight. The shady little lawyer from Pittsburgh <laughs> said that 46-year-old Michael Lamar Holland recently changed his seizure medications and has a history of blackout. Seizure? He's been charged by federal air marshals with abusive sexual conduct in this episode Sunday night aboard United Flight 917. They say Holland dropped a 39-year-old woman shortly after the plane took off from Seattle for Dallas. The plane was bound for Seattle from Dallas, but had to be diverted as a result. He's scheduled to appear at U.S. District Court in Pittsburgh on Monday. I love the idea that... I love... The, what did the shady... The mouthpiece. The mouthpiece had this... The shyster had this to say. All right, let's do these calls. We'll break. We'll reset. We'll come back. I don't know who this... There's somebody on the interview line, but I don't know who that is. Um, let's get... These are the last two tree calls we're taking. We're going to do these uh, two calls, not tree. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hi. Hey, for, first of all, you were right about uh, ben Case, the Ben Casey thing the, in the order that those went. Man, woman, but, birth, death, infinity. Yeah, and it was like an asterisk and then a sideways uh, elongated eight for the last two symbols. And the death was the cross, right? Didn't it, okay, it was man, which is the uh, the circle with the arrow, woman, which is the circle with the cross, birth, which is the asterisk, death, and I think he did a cross for death, and then infinity, which is, yeah, the sideways eight. Yeah, you you could be right about that. I just I, I definitely remember the last symbol and stuff. And yeah. Him with, a, him with his... Uh, uh, his thing. Yeah, the Simpsons, the clown. Wow, I don't even... <laughs> He had hair like that. I'm sorry. I, I, I blanked out on his name. Krusty. He had crusty hair. Oh, Dr. Zorba. Yeah, or whatever Dr. his Zorba. name was. Had He had crusty the clown's hair. Yeah, you yeah. really just, it was like your whole brain just it turned yeah. itself inside out there for a second. Well, I did. I'm drinking. What, what are we drinking today? Hams. Hams. Hams, the beer refreshing. Hams. I got Jack Daniels right behind me. Um, I went, hold on, let me just back up here. When did we start drinking today? Oh, about 8 o'clock. Uh, and so uh, did you start with beer, and then you're going to be moving to Jack? I started with coffee. Well, okay. Uh, hey, by the way, <laughs> hold, hold. let me put a pin in that. Uh, Richie, yeah, if we can do that, that would be best. That way he, uh, Roop isn't kind of hanging in. We'll get Roop after the break here. Um, so we started with with coffee, and then when did you switch to beer? About 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. And so you've been drinking beer for five and a half hours. Uh, Pretty much. And so then now when are you switching to Jack Daniels? Oh, probably seven tonight. And then is it just so? Is it going to be beer all the way until seven? Well, there's dinner in between. No beer with dinner. Is that when you take a little a little break? No, no beer with dinner. Okay. No milk. So beer all the way. No, no, of course, no it's for sissies. So I, uh, I try to live healthy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to go out on that line. Thank you. All right. Bye now. And then it's the child's birthday party. <laughs> Then a long, relaxing drive down the highway. <laughs> then a peaceful evening of juggling knives. <laughs> uh, best audience ever. All right. Uh, coming up, more from Tim Riley, James Roop. Uh, let's see. My pen just came apart again. I love these pens, and I hate these pens. All right. Stay there. Use the All right. 
Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. We live in a weird time because I get a lot of emails during the show, and they're from people who are currently listening to the previous day's show, like this one. Rick, tell Tim something. Tim? Yes, please tell me something. This is Patrick, our friend Patrick. He says, hey, Rick, I'm listening to the show from yesterday, and I heard Tim talking about Scotty's $15 iron. Yes. Which Scotty purchased, tell me if I get this right, Scotty purchased this to iron the green screen, which was behind you on the production of an ill-fated television program in Portland. It was actually a green cloth, because green we cloth. didn't even have a green screen. It a was green... a green piece of fabric. Fantastic. Uh, and all these poor people who worked on it, I felt so sorry for them, because... I mean, they had nothing to work with. Don't feel bad. Uh, when Christina Carlson and I did the weather on the WB one night, uh-huh. uh, it was a piece of plywood that had been spray-painted green. It was not even a piece of cloth. It wasn't even a screen. It was, I swear to you, a piece of plywood mm-hmm. that they had just gone and just painted it green. And so there's Christina and I standing there while Richard Nunn uh, shows us his ass off camera. Oh, so what else did this the letter writer say about that? Oh, uh, you can tell Tim I'm currently using that iron to iron my clothes for work every day. It's getting good use. Good for you. <laughs> oh, is that Patrick? Yeah. That Pat- Patrick, who is the narrator of Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her. Oh, oh, he was the same person? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that is Patrick who narrated our uh, our Christmas play. He did a he great had... job with absolutely nothing to work with. Yeah. I know, he had a fantastic voice. Yeah, no, his his narration of uh, of our Christmas play was really stellar. People thought he was me. It's it, he. Yeah, he nailed it. He really did. He was the red bow that wrapped up the whole thing. So well done, Patrick. You won't be hearing this until Friday, I guess, but uh, well done. Uh, speaking of, uh, of of that, let me say this. Uh, I got this email. Let me ask you this. Do you, are you always perplexed by people who are moving away from Portland for some reason? Unless it's for a job or... Because I have to. When people move from Portland, I it always I'm like, why would you leave Portland? Really? I mean, I've really? lived in, I've lived in other places that I like, right? But I just can't imagine waking up one day and going, I'm sick of Portland. Especially because I do know people who move away and they're like, I won't miss Portland at all. You know, and I'm, I Portland really is just such a great place. I it can't is. right now imagine living anywhere else. I'm not saying I won't. Uh, my wife and I have always said that we will probably move back to San Diego at some point in the ill-defined future because that is like the best place on earth. But I can't. I, I have no desire to to move. I mean, I think for the first time in in my life, I have no desire to live anywhere else. Um, anyway, our good friend uh, Boba Fett is moving away. Uh, yeah, I just, huh? Where's he moving? I don't know. He says, "Dear God in heaven, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I am moving away from a city to, from the city of roses." He said, "The only thing I'm going to miss about this rainy city is your show." Is there any chance that you'll be streamed in the future so those of us moving to the Midwest can listen to your show and still be able to chime in? Uh, we podcast now. We are in the process of getting our streaming done, and that's not a line. That really is true. But as the lawyers from CBS, the CBS lawyers, are looking really no lie. The paperwork that I had to send them to get our station ready to stream is, no exaggeration, probably two inches of paperwork. Uh, it took them almost a year to go through the paperwork to put us on the air originally. Yeah, no, I, it's and I'm and I don't I'm not trying to knock CBS, but CBS is, as everyone here will attest, a paperwork heavy company. Everything here done in triplicate. Everything here run through a battery of lawyers. And I've made this observation. I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the air, but I've made this observation off the air to several people that now that uh, we work here. And we're sort of in the belly of the beast, as they say. Now that I see the amount of paperwork CBS requires for everything, it is amazing to me that we ever got hired at all. 
I mean, really, and I and I and I mean that as a compliment to the company. That I don't, and no snarking uh, here. This is in all all kidding aside. It really is a testament to how much CBS did believe in us and the strength of the audience. Yes. Because, I mean, the paperwork to uh, here's a perfect example. Then we'll talk to Jim Rope. Just the paperwork to get like uh, uh, to to get like uh, your cell phone on the company network. Uh, just the paperwork to you know to to get some small amount of trade for something. I mean, is unreal. I mean, there's like form upon form upon form. And so the, the actual paperwork that they must have gone through to A, hire all of us, B, build a studio, C, rename the station, D, to rename, re-logo the station. I mean, it's astounding. It's just insane to think that they hired us. So, I mean, that really is a testament to the audience and, to, and, and I guess, to how much the, the, you know, CBS likes our show. And for some reason, the New York Times is back in it. I don't know if it's ours, but I took it. Yeah, good for you. I think it probably is ours. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so uh, and then we'll get Rube here in like five seconds. The, the short answer is... Uh, it's on the way. The lawyers did say they go. This will be many, many weeks before we get this done. So, just the paperwork, the okay from the lawyers is still many weeks away. But we will be streaming at some point within the next couple months. However. I mean, we should because they already have too much repetition. Why on earth are they stream? Uh, are they streaming both KNX and KFWB in the same city with the same format? And here we are with nothing. I have no idea. But I'm sure they're working as hard as they can, and we do appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's see. Ladies and gentlemen from uh, Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Uh, you know, I used to work for KNX. Yes, you did. Yes. Anything you'd like to say? No, I loved it. In fact, uh, I would probably go back if they asked me now. He's probably the youngest one working there. (laughs) Look at the lineup. Larry Van Nuys still works there. Do they still have uh, the microphone that Bob Crane used when he was there? Do they ever keep any of that stuff? they moved. They moved, but they kept a lot of the memorabilia stuff. The problem was uh, they didn't have a whole lot of space because now they share a building with KFWB and a couple of other, and the FMs and everything. It's a whole big conglomerate now. But I'm trying to think if KFWB was one of the stations I first applied to when I moved to California that then refused to hire me. Probably. Well, they were going hire me way back too. Yeah, they. Uh, and let's see, where else? Where else would I? Could I not get a job? What is that, uh, God, K... K-Rock? Oh, no, I couldn't get a job there. No, 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 okay, I couldn't get a job there. I couldn't get a job at KNEC when that was around. Um, uh, God, there was some station in San Diego that I was just convinced that I, they were going to hire me. In KGO? Uh, what's that? KGO? No, KGO San Francisco. 91X. Uh, 91X is a great station. No, there was a... KGB. Ta- no, it's a, it's a KGB is a classic rock station, is it not? I think so. Yes, it is. And I think their morning pr- crew, I, it's probably different. This is what I remember about where there was such inside shop talk here. We had to have a shop talk sounder that plays. Uh, like the WKRP, WKRP or something. The here's what I remember about KGB. Um, first of all, great set of call letters or calls, as they say. I remember that my wife and I uh, would swing around from our place, go up the road, and go on to University Avenue, I think it is, which is where into a neighborhood called Hillcrest, which is where we lived in San uh, in San Diego. And we would drive by the KGB billboard and their morning show. I will never forget this. Their morning crew was Dave Shelley and Chainsaw. <laughs> That's the guy, Dave Shelley and Chainsaw. Mornings at KGB. <laughs> There's a talk station in San Diego, and I can't remember what they're calling it. For the life of me, K KNBR. Yeah, I think it might be KNBR. KNBR San Francisco. They sort of maybe. This anyway. So some station in San Diego sort of lured me to California with the promise of like, I think we have a place for you here. There was no place for me there. <laughs> the only place for me in San San Diego was working at Seven Eleven. So <laughs> that's okay. Anyway. 
Uh, I don't even. Why were we talking about this? You know, oh. I, I apologize because I listened to a message on my cell phone, and I thought it was today that I was I was late for a live shot with you, and, and I realized it was a call from yesterday. Ah, don't worry about it. I was late yesterday, and I apologize. Okay, nah, it's all good, brother. You know we're, what? We're here every day. I was going to say we're here. Call whenever no, I, we'll you know, be here. I, I don't. I don't want to. I, like I called uh, the new Scotty you got there. I forgot his name now. Richie Bristol. Richie. I I thought I, I, yeah, I don't want to force myself here. So no, you know the door is always you have carte blanche. Oh, thank you. We're here. You know what it is? We're here Monday through Friday, 11 to 3 Pacific, almost every day of the year. So uh, you you can call whenever you like. Call two or three times an hour. Doesn't matter <laughs> to me. I don't care. Uh, so I know you are not at all sick of talking about Britney Spears. Um, so Britney Spears and the writers. First of all, we had a guy on from the WGA earlier in the show, uh, a guy named Howard Rodman um, from the from the Writers Guild, and he kind of skirted the Leno issue pretty well. But there's that you know that talk about how Conan. I guess if you watched Conan last night, which I didn't, but apparently if you watched Conan, you could tell he was like straight up ad libbing the whole show, no writing, literally ad libbing. And I'm about to go back and watch. Apparently at one point Conan killed about about two minutes on the show by having the camera guy come over him and see how long he could spin his wedding ring on the desk. That's one, which is sort of great. I mean, that's the kind of stuff Letterman used to do. Whereas Leno had clearly scripted, clearly written, like the same bad uh, material. Uh, but have you heard anything about how Leno may have, like, he, they may have, he may have busted the rules by writing some stuff? Well, he said last night that he was told it was okay to write for himself, but he could not have any outside influence, any outside writers. So at least that's what he that's what he told us, uh, you know, about, about the rules there, because that was a question. I mean, he, he was obviously reading off cue cards. He was obviously uh, had some stuff written down. So he said, "Well, I'm allowed to write for myself. I'm not breaking any rules there. I was told I can write for myself, but I, but no one else can write for me." Yeah, the Writers Guild says that's not the case. The Writers Guild. And they actually they put out a little press release. The Writers Guild, quoting from their own book of you know bylaws or whatever, they said, uh, let's see if I actually have this handy, I'll read it. Uh, here we go. The Writers Guild just is kind of interesting. So I don't know if it's going to turn into a thing, but the Writers Guild apparently says this is a quoting now. The strike rules prohibit guild members from performing any writing services during a strike for any and all struck companies. This prohibition includes all writing by any guild member that would be performed on air if any portion of that written material is customarily written by striking writers. Mm. So if it's a thing that is typically written by writers who are now on strike, nobody from the guild can write on that segment or that material. So... Worth note, I don't know that they're going to press it, but it does seem like he may have inadvertently stepped in a little something last night. So, uh, you know, I, I would imagine he got, I, I would imagine he he got a little bit of uh, rope. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, they had to give him some slack on that. Probably because you know he's obviously not trying to screw the writers. He just has, he has no choice. He can't stay off the air while Letterman goes back to work. It's not an option. You know, I've, I've worked with him before. He's, he's really good at improv. I mean, he's, he's excellent at working the crowd. I was hoping that's what he was going to do last night. He just kind of walk around and do, right. you know, do that, do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, he didn't really do much of it. Uh, the, the, when he did work with the crowd, I don't really care for Leno's style of humor, but he did seem kind of most at ease when he was talking to the crowd. When he would fall back on the clearly pre-written jokes, he just, you know, there was just nothing exceptional. It just, there was no sense of immediacy or urgency to it. And you figure you're taking advantage of truly live, to use the dreaded cliche, without a net television. You'd figure there'd be a little snap to it, a little sizzle, and there was just uh, nothing. It seemed thought, very uh, bland. Yeah, I think it, it, there was some nerves there. I, I really do. I, I think that uh, it, it, nobody really knew how it was going to go. Everybody figured there was going to be an intense looky-loo factor. Yeah. 
but, uh, you know, but how's it going to go from here? You know, even the audience members, you know, if they're waiting in line, I'm giving them a little crap. You know, hey, you're, you're crossing the line, too, so you can't be yelling at Huckabee when he crosses the line, that right, kind of thing. Right. And, and nobody seemed to care. I think they just wanted to see the Jay Leno show or, or the Tonight Show. And, and I think Jay Leno was just happy to be back to work. But everybody was nervous. Everyone was kind of, you know, it was a weird vibe going on. Uh, let's see. What else? Well, I guess in the from the inevitable file, uh, so Britney Spears' lawyer finally said no moss and asked threw in the towel and asked to be let go. Well, the the, the law firm that's handling her custody battle they said she's impossible to represent because there's a breakdown of communication. I mean, she's defied every court order. You know, she's just a nightmare as a client, at least as far as the custody folks are concerned. She still has other lawyers. You know, there's another guy who's working his, her uh, her uh, alleged hit and run issue and and the driver's license. Issues, so she's got representation. Just nobody, Ugh. nobody in her custody corner. But I don't think she cares about that anyway. Well, that's. I mean, is it just a? I mean, I know I'm stating the the freaking obvious here, but I mean, she just is must be so isolated. She's just in such a bubble that she just doesn't. Do you figure that she knows? And doesn't figure it applies to her, or in some weird way, do you figure she just doesn't even know? She doesn't even grasp that there's stuff she has to do. Uh, you know, I've never had a whole lot of real one-on-one -on -one with her kind of thing. I mean, we've all talked to her in, in like a group setting, group situation, but whenever the times that I've been around her, I honestly believe she just doesn't get it. I think she just doesn't know. She just, I mean, she knows, but she doesn't get it that she knows. Do you, do you figure, uh, that's hard to explain. Do you figure at some point, I mean, with that whole thing a couple weeks ago where she was caught on film shoplifting from a convenience store. Uh, she was stealing, there was something small, like a cigarette lighter or something. But it was on camera, walked in, grabbed it, walked out without paying for it. And the guy's like, hey, you got to pay for that. And she's just, you know, walking out. At some point, well, like with Paris, do you suppose there's some guy who wants to make his bones and he just, he says... All right. Well, this is it. Uh, screw her. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick her in jail for something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. There you go. I mean, I, that, that that's that, that's a great question, but I mean, I I don't know. I mean, that's a that that's a I don't know who would want to do that. I don't know how that would happen. I don't know if it would stick. I think it'd become another. Yeah, another Paris Hilton thing. Well, that's you, that was your reference. But I, I, mean, I, mean, was, I don't know. It's just it's just weird. It seems like it, you know in California where it's such a din of everybody trying to get attention and where everything is show business there, even politics is show business. Then that would be a way for a guy to draw a little uh, a little, draw a little heat on himself, as they say, it's just to say, hey, I'm the guy that stuck Britney Spears in jail. Hey, we all hate her. Vote for me. You know, it's you're right about that. It's all about, in fact, you know, the talking about yesterday with Huckabee. It's all about getting in the news. Yeah. And if you can get in the news, then you know. I'd vote for hey, the guy who whoa, stuck Britney Spears a, in jail. You know what? What? If it's all about getting in the news, I've got to I got to start collecting money for this stuff. I got to start saying, "I'll put you in the news. Give me twenty bucks." There you go. That's. Uh, I'm sure that there are no. I'm sure there's no uh, nothing, no clause or codicil in your contract about that. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Of course not. Wait, I have a similar idea. What if I took money from local business establishments to casually mention their services on the air? Whoa! What a great idea. Fantastic. Somebody get me Alan Freed. All right. All right, James Roop, as always, the door is always open. You call us any time, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you. There you go, Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Fantastic. I love that guy. All right. It's 2 o'clock already. No, it's 1.55. Sorry. It's 1.55 already. It's almost 1.56. Damn. All right. Um. Well, we're kind of running way overtime here, but let's do this one call, and then we'll break. And we, next hour, we got... Um, well, some other stuff. Uh, at some point, I should do this top five, but it's, it's not really pressing in any way. Um, I have an observation here about Little House on the Prairie, but I suppose that can wait. We'll have more news with Tim Riley. Of
pile of... Oh, I have some Led Zeppelin news. Uh, but this is... Is this our friend uh, Chris slash Boba who is moving away? Uh, yeah, this is Chris, your friend slash Boba, who uh, isn't moving away. Now, I thought it said you were moving away. Uh, no. Does the it... only, only thing I sent you is uh, a, uh, uh email about uh, some band, uh, local, um, Wonderstrucks. You uh, may have heard of them. I don't know anything about that, sir. Yeah, anyway, they're on YouTube. Um, did you did you not send me a video saying you were moving? No. Wait, hold on. Am That's I, strange. Did I open another email... Did I open I an? Know. I think I might have opened an email, yours and another one, maybe then back to back. You might have. All I know is as soon as that came out, I let out a, a, a what and. Okay, well I'm looking at. Okay, you know what? It is totally my fault. Uh, what is it? Mea culpa, as they say. Your email. I got an email from you and an email from this guy, uh, both named Chris, side by side in my inbox, uh, and I opened uh... yours and I opened the guy's. I saw your name and his email, and I conflated the two. All right, I apologize for that. Oh, no, that's well, right. good. That was, makes me happy. All right, I, feel, I was just going to say, because what the hell? Of course, the downside is there's still somebody else moving for some reason. So, <laughs> moving to the Midwest, and it seems voluntarily. Well, your company yeah. transfers you there. That's fine, I suppose. That's why I had to choke down my visa, which is keeping me awake. Thank um, you, sir. I, it is more of everything good, is it not? Oh, it is, especially when I'm moving to the Midwest. I was just hoping, you know, what city am I moving to? <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. I'm shaking the sources point to Decatur. Decatur. Yeah, thank you. All right, sorry about that. Uh, no problem. Bye now. Bye. All right, there you go. Okay, well, I, okay, I feel better about that. Because yes. he seems like a rational young man. All right. Well, on the other hand, this other guy is moving to the Midwest. This just perplexes me. I mean, I guess if you want to move from Portland, fine. Whatever. I mean, different cities fit, um, you know, different people. I suppose I'm not trying to knock other cities. Uh, the, the country's full of wonderful cities, uh, you know? I mean, just within uh, the Midwest. Except or the South. <laughs> or the Southwest. And the Southeast. <laughs> Okay, the Northwest and California are f and and New England are full of wonderful cities. Um, so you know, Portland's not your cup of tea. That's fine. But I, I it just it, there's I mean, it's always Akron. Yeah, I suppose. I it just uh, I just uh, yeah. It, there is a certain Portland. Maybe it just doesn't click with certain people. I know the people do. The, the as dumb as it sounds, the rain really does drive certain people away. I think there are some people who move here. And by the time, like, February hits, they just kind of look out the window at another gloom-laden day. And it's like, after this, I am moving. So, whatever. Give me the Flint Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> uh, did I read you the story, the headline of which was, Grandmother Saved by Daughter's Poo? No. I think I remember that one. Yeah, I well, think that we'll, would stick out in the We'll mind. read that later. Uh, also, we'll play the sound of Richie vomiting once again. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a break. We'll come back in the next hour. We will have some more news from Tim Riley. We've got a clergy watch still to get to. Uh, what else? Well, the top five and some crap. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. Uh, let's see. All right. I think I'm over the Christmas tree thing. I'm just going to stick it on the curb. They'll take it. They'll bill me. All right. Uh, I'm reading these emails here. Hold on. Yeah, nothing but Christmas tree emails. Uh, here's what's coming up this hour. Uh, we will probably do the top five because it's been sitting around for like four weeks. Clergy watch coming up. More news with Tim Riley. A special surprise on the way. Just a second. A what time bit of... is the? Or what is the top five? Oh, it's been sitting around forever. 
it, I've had this literally since bef- since the day I got back from Utah, which was I think the 18th of December. Uh, and in fact, I wrote here at the top. It is the for no readily apparent reason top five bands who sound just like ACDC. There you go. Mm. Uh, we'll try to do that. Uh, I got a little Zeppelin news here. Hold on, I have to apply some chapstick. How's that going for you? Fantastic. All right. Very dry out. Uh, let's see. Led Zeppelin. A little bit of uh, news for myself and fellow Leadheads. Looks like Led Zeppelin's appetite for rock is back. Uh, it says this is from The Mirror in London. It says, we can exclusively reveal the legends who staged a triumphant one-off gig at the O2 this month will be the headline act at the Bonner. I don't know what the Bonnaroo Festival is. Everyone talks about that, and I hear it referenced all the time, but I don't know what it is. It, do you know what the Bonnaroo Festival is? Mm-mm. Everybody just says it like as though you're supposed to know what it is. They don't bother to explain. Um, it, it's in Tennessee for some reason. Uh, anyway, so apparently Zeppelin's going to be doing another show at the Bonnaroo. That means I have another chance. That means I have another chance to have my heart broken. I have another chance to try to get tickets, fail to get tickets, and then be mocked by those who did have tickets. So I got that working for me. So that'll be uh, that'll be apparently sometime this year. Now the word I heard, the word on the street, the street being the internet, is uh, that the cult who uh, are a great band who still, by the way, have a lot of uh, respect in the rock world. They never really flamed out uh, the way that a lot of other bands did. Ian Asprey from The Cult was interviewed a while back, like about last month, and Ian Asprey actually said that Zeppelin is doing a tour of the States and that The Cult will be the opening act for it, and he's kind of in a position to know. So remains to be seen. So that's the word from the from the Zeppelin front, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it, before I do uh, anything else, you know what I would help if I quit hitting this pen on the counter? Then it would... Yeah, it keeps shattering. Oh, the I think we're going to make a new sounder. By ODI. Hi, Richie. <laughs> that was a good noise. You're looking worse than, than better. <laughs> You're turning green. I thought you'd be feeling better by no. now. Diesel's making me feel better. Definitely. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm yeah. sure they appreciate that. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad? Uh, how good do you feel? Good? Yeah, like a 10 being great, 1 being dead. I'm half five. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you're getting up there. You were like at a three this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what time did you end up getting home last night? Do you remember? I was on 2.45 I sent that. I was probably were home. you at home then? Yeah, about right. two. I was probably at home. Probably at home. No. Uh, so those for those who missed the first hour of the program, so here's what happened. So Richie, uh, despite everybody's warnings, Richie came to my office and was like, I need that, that, that whiskey that has the cobra and the scorpion in it. And why? Because we're all going to drink it. And so you and this guy, Adam, who works at KUFO, correct? Yep. And Timmy Ryan, uh, they all... Um, with, and Timmy Ryan, and you got the feeling that Timmy Ryan is one of those guys who will just drink anything in front of him. He is that guy. Mm-hmm. What's this? Well, it's cocaine mixed with gunpowder. All right! I'm not implying Timmy Ryan does drugs. I'm saying he is that guy, though. Everybody knows the guy. What is this? Well, it's Jack Daniels and Windex. Okay! Put it down. You know what I mean? He's just that. He, he lives it. Uh, it's part of his rock and roll lifestyle. But he changed. He wussed. What do you mean? Later, he didn't drink it. He didn't drink the Cobra whiskey? No. I thought you said he all did the shots at the same time. First it was, he's a vegan, and it has... Oh, please. Yeah, really? Like, vegan? Really? Okay, we're calling him right now. Do you have his number? Uh, I have. Yeah. I know the last four digits of his number. I don't know the first three. Yeah. We're going to call him right now. I don't have it. CMD. Hold on, I'll wait here. Tim Ryan. Okay, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, just uh, yeah, let me. Uh, sir, he pops mm-hmm. down. Oh damn it! Sorry, hold on. 
working. Did what? you hit nine? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Maybe to that one. Start again. Okay. All right. I'm a vegan. Yeah. Now, I thought when we were playing this audio back, it was all three of you doing the Cobra, the Scorpion whiskey shot at the same time. He wussed. Right. Hello? Hello, Timmy Ryan? Ricky? It's uh, Rick Emerson. Ricky? You're on You're on the air, sir. How was up? Hi, how you doing? Not too good. Am I, <laughs> am I interrupting some uh, suffering? No. All right, so no. let's... Uh-huh. So let's talk about last night. So when I saw... And again, it did make me feel... Uh, here in KCMD Portland, it did make me feel uh, sort of, um, I don't know, old and just sort of, you know, boring, because I'm here doing production or loading something, loading a soundbite into the system, and you, no. the young bucks are all here, like, ready to go out boozing and whoring or whatever, and so you guys had the bottle of Vietnamese whiskey with a scorpion and a cobra in it, right. and, and and you guys were like, we're going to go paint the town red, and then I got this uh, email from Richie at 2.45 in the morning, and it was a link, it was an email full of links to various YouTube videos. And the first video simply had this caption: "Here's Richie." Uh, it says Richie puking on sidewalk. So, oh man! And we then played back, and I still haven't watched it. I've only heard the audio. We then played back the sound of you guys talking about the Cobra whiskey, and then you guys pounding like some PBR or something. Um, now, Richie at first said that you guys all poured shots of the Scorpion whiskey, and then you all did the shot at the same time. But now he's saying that you actually didn't, you talked big, but then at the end you didn't drink yours. Okay, there's there's two reasons for that. First off, uh, we had been drinking for a considerable amount of time. Uh, I don't know if you still do, and we, we started drinking tequila and then pound beers. I think you got that on video. Uh, we, 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 we have the beer pound. We have that says that there's a video here called Chugging Pabst. Right. Uh, and then he says you guys were doing Patron shots, too. Right, and then we were promised, you know, girls abound at this place that where he, near where he was called the Buffalo Gap, and, you know, there was nobody there. Girls um, abound. Yeah, there's just a few girls everywhere. And then we went to, like, the Matador and the Blue Moon, and it was, you know, kind of the same situation. Were you all just, now, were you going from place to place on a quest for, for women? We were just kind of going on, because we have this new, okay, Adam and Richie and I, we have this new drinking club called the Pimp Squad. Oh, You're never going to meet girls, ever, <laughs> if you call your group the Pimp Squad. I think we're going to get some T-shirts made, and we're just going to go around with, you know, the, the recorder and just record our drinking adventures. Get some satin jackets, And too. please don't put AM 970 on you anywhere. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> we're from the Pimp Squad. Um, I'm all in favor, by the way, of you guys doing this as long as you record it and as long as, yeah, you're not wearing a CBS logo anywhere. Um, so the three, now is there anybody else in the Pimp Squad, is there, or is it just the three well, of you? Well, it's kind of like the Rat Pack where we might have, you know, members come in and out, but, you know, we're, we're, we're the core of the group. You're the core. You're the, you're the foundation of the Pimp Squad. Right, we'll have to vote if anybody else wants to come in. And then they have to be jumped in and branded. Yeah, pretty much like, you know, like the Bloods and the Crips. All right. Uh, so the... Him squad went from bar to bar looking for women. Amazingly, didn't... he went to Buffalo Gap, and then to the Matador, and then the Blue Moon. Yeah, and I think we were going to go to the bitter end, but there's nobody there, so we just decided to uh, to call it a night and uh, go back to Richie's house. So then the Pim Squad retires to Chateau Bristol, right. and then now I thought you had one of the recordings makes it sound like. You guys had uh, uh, talked about doing the whiskey later, but that Adam eventually said, F it, do it now, and you guys had started with that. No, no, we didn't do that. No, we, we actually, 
Hey, here's the thing. All right? I don't like drinking and driving because drinking and driving is bad. Of you know? course. And, and so at the beginning, I'm like, okay, maybe maybe if I drink some now, I'll be okay, you know. But after uh, you know having a few, you know, few beers at Richie's house and yes. going to a few bars and kind of driving around, I mean, I, I wasn't drunk or anything. Well, of by the time not. we got back. I had a mild, mild buzz, and I didn't want to risk it, you know, and 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 drink the Cobra whiskey and and smell like booze because I still had to come back to the station and get some work done. <laughs> um, uh, and I didn't want to get a DUI uh, for the sake of the Cobra whiskey. And so the, I opted the children, yeah. not to drink it. And then, you know, and then my my vegan senses. Oh, please see that. See that's yeah, right there. That's yeah. when I know you're just wishing out that you blame it on being a vegan. No, no, because. I started to think I'm like there's there's dead animals in there you know and I'm kind of a sort of strict vegan I don't I have I'm gonna unabashedly can say that so I didn't want to start you know chugging you know dead animal liquor like, I'm not that much of an alcoholic where I'm like you know just scraping the bottom of the barrel kind of like you know when people <laughs> like, steps like heroin addicts like you know suck on you know uh, other addicts um, vomit. <laughs> Okay, so you ended up not even tasting it at all, so it was just Richie and Adam who drank the Cobra whiskey. Well, I, I smelled it a lot, though. Yeah, oh, well, that doesn't really count. I smelled well, I, it. I, it kind of does. It, it smelled like, you know, like a funeral home uh, <laughs> with a bunch of dead corpses, uh, and the funeral home's been locked up for a week. Like, you know, the, the undertakers went on strike, and they didn't do anything. <laughs> so, That's what it smelled like. So it smelled like, like, like February 07 James Brown. <laughs> That's exactly what it's um, all right. And so about the, the groove and the soul. So we had this audio of Richie vomiting downtown, and right. I guess as he told it, he had eaten, what is it, tater tots and what, Richie? Hamburger. Uh, it was really disgusting. From where? Uh, Matador? All right. No, so he, no, no, you ate that. No, I think oh. that the stuff that you threw up was from the Buffalo Gap. Oh, yeah. Let's be very clear about what food induced the well, vomit. I ate twice and puked more than once or twice. Or <laughs> you ate twice. Timmy really? Said I'd puke like nine times. So you, so you ate and then threw up and then ate again and threw up? Yeah. Well, well yeah, done. So here's the deal. So we, we went, yeah, went to, I went to the Buffalo Gap and then we went to the Matador and then we were en route to the Blue Moon and all of a sudden Richie's like, Kill over. Dude, hold on. No, no. We were, we were walking there. He's like, oh. dude, dude. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, <laughs> Just all over the sidewalk, and uh, I don't want to give the exact location because I don't want the, the police to know. But <laughs> you, and then you trouble. missed this with the video camera, but then you were in luck because he looked at apparently at his own vomit and then threw up again. Yeah, exactly. And so I grabbed the camera because you know it was going to be classic footage. So uh, and that's when I, I turned the camera on, and uh, you know Richie, being a true pro, he was able to do the take twice. And it was... <laughs> Diggler, Diggler style. He was able to do it twice in a row, yeah. I, 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 just, got the, uh, I just got the best email from Aaron, Geek in the City. It's just subject line says, The Pimp Squad, seriously? Please tell me I heard that correctly. Uh, correctly. Timmy, Richie, et al. are calling themselves the Pimp Squad. No. My friends and I can go out dressed as fat stormtroopers and land more tail than a group of drunk dudes <laughs> called the Pimp Squad. No, really, do you, you have to come up with a logo. You have to get a logo or like a crest, like a, like a, like a Scottish crest. Why are crest. you encouraging this? Because it's gold. I mean, you really, if you're going to be the Pimp Squad, you have to go all the way. You have to get a logo, a slogan, and then some sort of, like, you have to get, like, a Latin phrase to put underneath it. I just don't want our station to be identified with anything no. called Pimp yeah, Squad. No, yeah, and it can't say CBS Radio on it. No, the Pimp Squad has to have some sort of Latin slogan, and then it's got a shield with, like, a unicorn and a tiger and a sword. Okay, here we go. Somebody listening right now, okay, somebody, you know, who's, uh, who's savvy with the logos and designing, because I, I sure as hell can't do it. Somebody should come up with the Pimp Squad logo. Oh, um. 
<laughs> uh, look, I'm in favor of it. I vote yes. I am, too. Go. Although we could go to the swingers club and probably wouldn't matter. See, there you go. See, why? No. Did you try to convince, did, did, Timmy, you? Did, did Richie try to convince you to go to the swingers club? Um, actually, no, Adam was talking about it. Well, they're not open Wednesdays. They are open tonight, though. But here's, here's the thing. I, with think, I think it's Thursdays. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for <laughs> true, true love and girls who are waiting till marriage. Uh, okay. I, I got audio that says that. You're too um, much of a slut to want that, Jimmy. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Well, you will not release any more of that audio to anybody. That, that, oh, that's I got fine. good audio. What? Yeah, I got good audio. Of of who? Of Timmy or of, of everybody? Timmy talking. He didn't know I was recording. Was Timmy talking about I love um, audio conquest? I love audio yeah. that happens when people don't know they're being recorded. I didn't know I was being recorded, and I was kind of buzzed at that time. Kind what of buzzed. What about? were you talking about? I haven't, I should say, true, straight up, I haven't heard it. Uh, he hasn't played it for me. But what, what sorts of things, so you don't have to be specific, you don't want to, what sorts of things were being captured on audio that when you were... Okay, well, as Frank Sinatra said, it was a very good year. And I was talking about last year. <laughs> I like the little self-satisfied chuckle at the end. That's He's really what, that line. That's where you can hear the strength of the pimp hand. All right. Uh, Timmy Ryan. No, you're not going to dig anymore. Well, I, I'll let you do it. I'm going to sit down. I don't, you know. No, I mean, I, it's, it's a good it's like Timmy Ryan. guy thing. I don't want to be drilling another guy for his, like, tell me all about I your conquest. Drink, I will drink some of the Cobra whiskey only when I am not driving, though, because I'm responsible. Oh, wait, hold on. So now the vegan thing is not an excuse at all. So now you're, you're, you're admitting the vegan thing is just a dodge. Because you're willing to do it as long as you don't have to drive. Yeah, I thought you were saying that you were a strict vegan. Well, I am a strict vegan, however... Um, it, it was everything just kind of adding up last time. But I, I'm, I'm kind of reconsidering because you know the animals were kind of killed before they were put. On That's the right. Alcohol. You didn't kill them. Right. I, I didn't kill them, and they were not killed by as a result of the alcohol. I mean, who knows who killed them? They could, they could have been ran over. You right. know what I mean? And like, uh, and I'm not exactly eating the animals, and the, the alcohol yeah. just killed anything in there anyway. So basically, it's just like a, a dead cobra, and who knows how it died in a glass full of like really strong potent alcohol. All right. Well, okay. That's fair. Okay. Well, you know what, Timmy? Richie did and. Wait, what? I mean, well, Richie did admit that he I... had this audio taped, but he hasn't played it for us. So, uh, I don't know. If, and it would seem like it would be wrong of me to, to, to interrogate yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not going to say exactly what Richie said that you said. But See, and I don't me? know. I haven't heard anything. We know. What, what? What do you mean you know? Of who? I haven't. I'm recusing myself from this conversation Doing right what? now. Because I haven't heard anything from anything. I don't know. You know, sometimes in life people do things that they kind of regret and maybe they, like, strike a deal. And then sometimes these things actually accidentally, you know, come out. Like, say, if your friend has a recording device and you didn't realize that he was recording you. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? Hold what on. What did, did you get on did, tape? Are there sparks? Are there, I don't know what he got on tape or what he didn't. Now, now, I, now have you heard the tape, Sarah? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to comment. I haven't. And I'll tell you straight up. I'm, you know, I don't know anything because I haven't heard anything. All I'm saying is that I think that Timmy Ryan might have said something last night. That somebody else might not be very happy that he was talking about. All right. Well, no, because I know exactly what you're talking about, and nobody will get the answer for my cold, dead body. What part of your cold, dead body? <laughs> yeah, there's a pimp chuckle. There's the, the, the pimp part laugh. That was, the part that was telling your friends about it when you were drunk last night? Wow. Really? What were they saying? Hold on here. What, did, what you, heard, you heard the tape that she was recording even then? I'm so confused at this point. I don't even know okay, what you're talking about. Okay, I'm nothing I said I was unashamed of. I just don't know what exactly yeah. what he was thinking or what he wasn't. Yeah. Right. Remember uh, Matador? And we were talking about, you know, girls and the year. <laughs> and... <laughs> Are you talking about the quantity or just the person? <laughs> The quantity? the quantity? Oh yeah, he has. Oh. No, he's. He was talking about. Uh, well, you're a, you're a slut. We totally know that you're yeah, a slut. Yeah, we totally know. Um, he was talking about maybe this one specific 
quality lady. Oh, yeah, but see. The one that, yeah, we're not the one that, that it's, right it's like the little kid's like, let's, let's make a pact to never tell anybody. That exactly. Her, well, her and I made a pact not to ever tell anybody. And I don't know who this is, but there's some I mean, sort I mean, of. Like, who, who doesn't have, who doesn't have a relation, you know, it's kind of like our lips are sealed. And there's a, there's uh, an arrangement. Exactly. It's kind of like, right. you know, uh, when Jane Reedland wrote Our Lips Are Sealed, she wrote a song, I think it was the guy from Funboy 3, and they just never talked about All it. All right. Fair enough. No, no, no. I respect that. I respect I'm that. Thing, when you're when you're not talking about it, you should probably make sure that Richie does not have his tape recorder. I, I re- yeah, look for uh, yeah, seriously. And if Richie says like, speak into this carnation on my lapel, uh, you might know what that's about. All right. Well, we'll respect the uh, we'll respect the veil of secrecy, the dome of silence over whatever that. We, we, t- we took a, we took almost a blood oath. Dude, I I haven't heard it. I don't know. I'm not asking. This is me on the record, not asking. I'm not asking. Uh, I'm not pushing. I'm not asking. We respect the veil of I'm silence. I'm not knowing. <laughs> See, Sarah's like, in true Sarah gossip uh, hound fashion, she's like way more in the loop than I am. So No, because Richie and Adam, they tried pushing it for me. They tried to get in the answer, and they just they, they will tell you they did not get the answer. Oh, I see. So they tried to actually get the identity, and you See, wouldn't give it up. Every, they threw every name out in the book, and I told them I did not give them an answer either right. way. So, so I think Timmy Ryan maybe gave away the answer, and he just doesn't realize So it. before we wrap this up... So I, the, I did not give away the answer. So this is, I'm just saying, before before we kind of draw this to a close, so the, the deal is you alluded to, you know, because, again, I know that this will not offend you. You are a man whore, and... <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, please. Oh, quit, quit, quit being so falsely humble. I'm Stop that. Some quit, of that audio. quit fishing for compliments. Yeah, um, don't tempt Richie. Like, don't don't call Richie a liar. I could cut out like seconds of it that wouldn't be incriminating. And so you and so you were talking about what a, about what a slutty year 2007 was for you. Oh yeah, he and has I guess numbers. He counts them. Really? Like big numbers. <laughs> like, like big any number, single big guy numbers. would be proud of this. Like, oh my god. Like, here, here's like, the thing. Here's the thing. week or something. <laughs> Richie. Richie has um. Richie has bagged more ladies in his life, way more ladies in his life than I did last year. So yeah, right. Yeah, well, no, whatever. Richie, anyway, well, I'm old. I'm ten years older than you. So, but then, but then, apparently, they said they were drilling you for names for like the give it. We want specifics, and that you, you know, you you had the gentleman's code and would not reveal. See, I am a gentleman in every way. <sighs> All right. <laughs> yeah, that's why you guys were talking numbers. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right. Uh, no classy. Timmy life. Ryan. It's uh, myspace.com/slash/timryanradio. Correct. Yeah. All right. And thanks again for your help on New Year's Day, by the way. It was a stellar uh, and a fantastic program, my friend. I stumbled through it like a drunken Kennedy. <laughs> we love you, Timmy <laughs> well, Ryan. We love you, Timmy Ryan. All right. I love you, Thank too. you, sir. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Ryan, myspace.com slash Tim Ryan Radio. All right. I dig that guy. All right. Fantastic. Well, I love uh, messing with him. Let's, um, let's play this. Now, we, we cleaned up this audio a little bit to remove... Um, what did we remove from this? We removed Tim Ryan's observations about the Vietnamese people <laughs> and whatever they're... There's, there's Hello. Just, see, you can do it. See? Yeah, Timmy Ryan cannot. Richie can do it. Uh, uh, Timmy Ryan or, you know, anyone that cannot make those observations. Richie's the only one who can do that. Um, so we, re- we remember... What else did we take out of there? Wasn't there something else we were removing? No, I think that's... Is that just it? Okay, so we'll play this sound one more time, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth here in just a moment, and uh, we may or may not squeeze in this top five. Uh, it's not really a no rush on it, though. So this is uh, Richie Bristol, Adam, and Timmy Ryan wandering... The, I'm sorry, the Pimp Squad, wandering through downtown last night. What you're about to hear is Richie getting sick for the second time. Apparently, he was sick to his stomach the first time all over the sidewalk. Timmy Ryan was angry because the camera wasn't on, but got the camera on in time for you to look at your vomit and then lose it a second time. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. And then when we're done, we'll tell you where you can see the video here.
Uh, let's see. So this is Richie Bristol, downtime with the other members of the Pimp Squad. Wait, wait, wait. Over here. Why, hello. Hello. I'm Timmy Ryan. I'm Richie. And uh, Richie just totally puked because he's a light drunk, <laughs> and he's Vietnamese, and he can't hold alcohol. He can only start... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's known as... <laughs> Say that again. <clears throat> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> that is uh, Richie Bristol's mess. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And we're spent. Hey, Richie, you're disgusting. Welcome to Rookie Camp. Look, I had tear Todd. I, <clears throat> Richie, I remember my first beer, too. Richie's the mascot for amateur night Bush League hour. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 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 That's funny, dude. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. It's on his hand. It's squirming. <laughs> looks like something from the Hormel family. <laughs> yeah, it looks like something you buy. Oh God. Yeah, like. I need a napkin. Uh, use your pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know Sarah doesn't find this funny. I think it's a guy thing. The um, that moment when you go, oh my stomach. That's really that's what sells it right there. Let's see if I can hear that moment one more time. Oh my! Oh my nose. That's um, funny, dude. That's hilarious. Oh man! It's uh, squirming. Uh, like something from the Hormel family. <laughs> yeah, it looks like something you buy oh God. at like. I need a napkin. <laughs> Use your pants. <laughs> I need a napkin. Oh my God. Oh, fantastic. Uh, you can get that video at. 970.8. Is that up at the station? I'm sure CBS is happy about that. It's not on our MySpace page. It's at 970.am. You can see the video of Richie vomiting. 970.am? Yes? Yes. Well done, Richie. Well done, Timmy Ryan. Well done. Well well done, all ye members of the Pimp Squad. We need to change the name. That's just... No, you can't. No, you can't. Counterproductive. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's exactly what it is. But he works in porn, so you never know. It's totally counterproductive. Hey, ladies, we're from the Pimp Squad. <laughs> T-shirts? Hey, I'm a dork. Right across right. my forehead. Back after this with Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Bissell. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Wow. Uh, hello, Tim. How are you? <laughs> so during the break... I can't believe you took him over to your side, Rick. <laughs> Ooh, Tim? The dark side, yeah. Tim, Tim Riley, though. Uh, so Tim came in and was watching the Richie Bristol Pimp Squad video. <laughs> the uncontrollable gales of laughter coming from Tim's side of the room. <laughs> the thing is... Is Tim's mic on? Yes. <laughs> the thing is, when Richie first appears on camera, he looks like one of the undead. He looks like a zombie. I mean, it really is unreal. <laughs> All right, so we'll leave the audio down because God only knows what's in the uncut version of that. But um, So let's go ahead and, Tim, do you want to go ahead and watch the uh, the Richie Bristol uh, video here? So this uh, so we have uh, Richie Bristol. <laughs> All right. He's stepping on screen. 
Who knew that that much could be in that? Richie is not a big man. I mean, that's like 10 years worth of food. <laughs> and somebody pointing at it. Like, we need that to be pointed at. We have no idea what that could possibly be. <laughs> the pimp squad is at it again. So they're both leering at it. Unbelievably, could that possibly be what we think it is? This is the most exciting thing we've seen tonight. Forget the hot chicks. Somebody just puked on the sidewalk. The pimp squad is at it again. The pimp, the pimp squad strikes on these franchises. It's the mark of the pimp squad. <laughs> the, the pimp squad is coming to your town. <laughs> oh, CBS presents. <laughs> oh, yeah, be sure to say that all the time. Oh, man. <laughs> I think Susan Reynolds already came down to make sure they weren't wearing any station logos when they did this. Oh. Now, next week, we'll hear, we'll hear back from CBS Digital. Millions of people have gone to the AM 970 website. A spike in your web traffic. That's 970.am. What kind of exciting content is on 970.am that's resulted in this latest increase? Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that moment when he first appears on camera. <laughs> and his eyes are crying. And he's all leering and green. <laughs> like some sort of a ghoul from the watery depths. It's like he was just found in the Shanghai tunnels after missing for several weeks. Oh, oh man. Yeah, the, Richie, the Pimp Squad logo has to have a scorpion and a cobra on some sort of a, a, a chalice or a goblet. Somebody wearing a zoot suit. <laughs> Swinging a pocket watch and a fob. Yeah, some sort of a flagon filled with pimp juice. And then a, a cobra and a scorpion right on the front. So it's 970.8. We know you do. We know you want to see the pimp squad over and over again. Oh, man. Bring the kids. <laughs> the pimp squad is coming to your town. Uh, uh, I just got a message, though. We got a sponsorship for the pimp squad already. Oh, please. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's your own deal. That is not affiliated with CBS yeah. Radio. That or, is, AM or AM 970. This is like your thing to the Swingers Club, which is not affiliated with AM 970. Yeah, when he started, like, posting oh. it over and over and being like, we could start an AM 970 Swingers Club. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we need to do. All right. The Pimp Squad presents. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this <laughs> is Tim Riley. And right underneath that is... A CBS banner that says "Voting Matters." <laughs> what? What are you? It says, "What are you waiting for?" The Pimp Squad is here to remind you, <laughs> "Voting Matters." Register to vote today. I think it's a little bit too late. Uh, anyway, wow. I can't okay. beat the Pimp Squad. <laughs> Who can? <laughs> so uh, let's talk to Tom Bosley instead. <laughs> what does Tom Bosley think of the Pimp Squad? <laughs> well, Tom Bosley is starring in a brand new Hallmark Channel movie called uh, Charlie and Me. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, uh, Bosley uh, plays a grandfather who steps into care for his ailing granddaughter following the death of his wife. However, then Charlie develops a serious health problem, and something has to change. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I can't watch the Pimp Squad and listen to audio? <laughs> I can't listen to Tom Bosley while watching the Pimp Squad? I guess I can't. Man. Damn this technology! Here's the Tom he realizes that uh, his health is impaired. He 
he's not going to be around very long, yeah. and he wants to restore the relationship uh, between his son and his granddaughter. What? Tom Bosley, I'm sorry. Tom Bosley. Tom Bosley. Well, uh, let's do a uh, hick watch, shall we? Yes. Here's your hick watch. Double hick watch, by the way. And then we have a surprise. I don't know that Tim can handle any more surprises. <laughs> I thought you were going to lose control of your functions during the break. You were laughing so hard at the Pimp Squad. Lacey, that's how you know it's a great name, by the way, because we're immediately using it. We've fallen into using it. Without even thinking. That's the mark of a great name. We've immediately just started using it without even giving it a second thought. Here's your hiccup. It's going to have to be a franchise. <laughs> Pim Squad, Pim Squad LLC. Uh, in Oklahoma, where I was arrested after police say he stabbed another man in the neck with a pork chop bone. <laughs> <laughs> police in Ardmore, uh, Oklahoma, responded to a call of a fight outside a local <sighs> business New Year's Day. When they arrived, they found the victim covered with blood with a puncture wound to the neck. Police arrested 38-year-old Tony Willis a few blocks from the crime scene. Willis had blood on his clothes, and they found the bone used in the attack. Part 2. Uh, this comes to us from Huma, Louisiana. Who? Huma. Okay. Uh, six foot three, two hundred sixty-five. Uh, Paul Nance says a restaurant overcharged him for his trips to the buffet line. Then they banned him and a relative because <laughs> they're hearty eaters. A spokesman, uh, spokesman for the restaurant denies the claim. Ricky Labbit. <laughs> a disabled offshore worker. Everything's funny now. Had been a regular for eight months at the uh, Manchuria restaurant in Huma. Eating there as often as three times a week. Huma! On his most recent visit, he said, a waitress gave him and his wife's cousin, 44-year-old Michael Borelli, a bill for 46.60, roughly double the buffet price for two adults. She says, y'all fat and y'all eat too much. <laughs> Labin and Borelli said they felt discriminated against because of their size. I was stunned that somebody would say something like that. I ain't that fat. I only weigh 277 pounds. <laughs> Added that the waitress told him he looked like he had a baby in the belly. <laughs> wow. Really? Uh, Excellent. Uh, Huma County uh, Thomas Campos said the oh. men were charged an extra $10 each December 21st <sighs> because they made a habit of eating exclusively on the most expensive seafood dishes, including... Crab legs and frog legs. <laughs> we have a lot of big people here, he said, uh, but we don't discriminate. Okay. There's your hick watch. Hick watch. Uh, oh, by the way, somebody sent me video of Mike Huckabee playing Born to be Wild. On C-SPAN. On C-SPAN. That's even worse. I weep for my country. Nothing sacred. Let's hear a second of that, and then we'll have a little surprise for Tim Riley. Wait, hold on. This is, um, let's see, Mike Huckabee on C-SPAN. Oh, this is like a pop-up video thing. He's a wild man. He's out of control. He is, oh. And, of course, sitting up in the amplifier, Diet Pepsi. All right, we're done with that. Uh, Richie? Yes. Founding, are you the president of the Pimp Club? Are you the treasurer? What position would we're you say you hold? We're all equal. Oh, it's a triumvirate. Oh, I don't boy. know. It's I see. like how Scotty and his friend are both the president of their company. Exactly. It's a flat management structure. But all right. No wife. <laughs> really? Uh, no uh, girls allowed? Obviously. Did you, did you tell us during the break that you already had one woman ask to be a the female member of the Pink Club? Let's not identify her. Oh, okay. Yeah, she threw the window right there. Thanks. Okay. Uh, way to be subtle. All okay. right. Uh, you going to let her in? 
I don't know. I have to discuss it with the other members. <laughs> <laughs> the, pink <laughs> the pink club. All right. Um, the pimp squad. All right. Uh, is it so the pimp? It's the pimp squad. Pimp right? squad. Pimp squad. Like the pimp monster squad. squad, but with pimps. Uh, <laughs> what is the? Uh, okay. Would you please show Tim Riley what you have for him here? Look at this. It's Firestorm, starring Tim Riley on DVD. Oh my goodness. Look at that, Tim. <gasps> Let's see it. Double feature. That's both of the features. It has oh. two features. Well, of course. Because eight, one isn't enough. It's eight, a full evening of entertainment. It's not rated. Unrated. Oh, my goodness. Oh, is there material here that might be too steamy for the theatrical release, Tim? I don't know. I've never seen it. <laughs> um, so how do we want to do this? Do we want to send this home with Tim uh, tonight, uh, Tim, and then you can let us know where your moments are? Or, or would you like Richie to isolate them? Like, do you want to watch the whole film? How would you prefer that we handle this, Tim? Your choice. Let's see. You can take it with you tonight, or... I'll take it with me tonight. Okay. And then I'll bring it back, and I'll find out where I am. Okay. Because I only die once. And, you know, I can pull audio off a DVD on my computer. So okay. uh, you can either do that, or you, so you can watch it tonight, let us know where your moments are, and we'll pull the uh, we'll pull the audio and maybe some screen captures. Now, Richie, I owe you $1.66. Is that not true? <laughs> not for this one. This one's the rental I got. That was Netflix. No, that's for the one he bought that was a dollar sixty. Don't worry, I don't think I'll be set in a mining compound in twenty twenty four. Firestorm follows a faction of freedom seeking androids as they take on their repressive human owners. Uh huh. Okay. Co starring Robert Carradine. And Tim Riley. I guess I'm not in the credits. The second one is Scorpio One, a disastrous turn of events aboard a space station prompts the CIA to dispatch a team of investigators to get to the bottom of things. But someone on the mission has a subversive agenda. Is it? Uh, I was going to make a Lost in Space reference, but it so all fell apart. Both of these are from 1995. Well, of course, the two great movies, one low price. Tim. Uh, Todd the corpse weighs in. He says, hey, the choking barking noise that Richie makes halfway through the second puke is perhaps the finest noise I've ever heard a human make. And just so you know, when you first played that audio today, I had to sit. I had just sat down to an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet, and I had my plate full of slices of five-meat pizza. Thanks for that. Thanks so much. No, 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 sir. Thank you. That's exactly when I was eating this morning. Richie oh. came in and said, like, "Look at this video." And he really is... eating it made me not hungry at no, all. They're really right though when they say it's a choking, barking noise. Let's um, hold on. Let's uh, get to the wait, 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 drunk <laughs> and he's Vietnamese and he can't hold alcohol. You can only start. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, yeah, that's known as. <laughs> Say that again. That's known as the Asian. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> that is uh, Richie Bristol's nuts. <laughs> and we're spent. Hey, Richie, you're disgusting. Wait. Welcome to Rookie Camp. Look, I have tear tots. Richie, I remember my first beer, too. Richie's the mascot for Amateur Night Bush League Hour. <laughs> That's funny, dude. That's hilarious. Wait, it's It's squirming. Looks like something from the Hormel family. Yeah, it looks like something you buy at like. I need a napkin. <laughs> Use your pants. <laughs> Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. Oh. Yep. Let's take a break, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> wow. I know what men 18 to 44 year olds like. Oh, Jesus. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Here's Pope. 
common people. Don't go anywhere. Oh, man. Okay, that's kind of hilarious. What? The Richie Throwing Up video. Kind of hilarious. Yeah, kind of hilarious. Oh, how long How long is this segment? Ah, uh, we got some time. Like two minutes? No, like six. Really? I know, I don't know what to do. Oh, I was misreading my watch. That's why I was wondering why you were pushing us to break. I was misreading the watch. Well, this watch is great, but it's very shiny. The glass, or whatever, you know, the, the, the clear part is really shiny. The watch itself is like this sort of silver, and so basically the whole thing glares a lot, and it doesn't glow, which means if it's in the shadows, you, the point is it's hard to read. Okay. Um, and I thought it was like five till, but it's like ten till. Uh, well, hey, speaking it's of, not on there. All right. Well, speaking okay. of booze, uh, I was going to clean out the fridge today, because we got to figure out, do we have time to clean up the fridge, or we should do it tomorrow when Aaron's here? No, let's do it today. You know, when Aaron we, came we in? Time. When Aaron came in New Year's Day and was completely trashed, we made him do this thing where he sniffed the mystery bottle. Uh, and I told him he could either smell the Boone's Farm or he could sniff a mystery bottle. And he closed his eyes and picked a mystery bottle, and we made him sniff the mad dog, and he about hurled. Uh, don't ever say sniff the mad dog. Sniff the mad dog. Sniff the mad dog. All right, we're going to go through the fridge right now because it's the new year. We want to start fresh. The Viso fridge. All right, let's keep a tally. Uh, Sarah, can you do me a favor? Not that you're like a secretary, but can you kind of write this down as I do it? Yeah, that's fine. All right. I need paper, though. Can I steal your yeah. notepad thing? Yeah, here we go. Your pen? Yeah. Should we play music or something in the no, background? No, it's fine. Well, I don't have any music that would go... I don't have any either. I don't have any cleaning out the refrigerator music. I don't think we have anything. All we'd have is like my Lenny D stuff. Okay. No, I got nothing. All right, I'm ready. All right. I wish we had some happy homemaker music. You know what? I, we have my, um... Your, Library uh, oh, music. Let's, let's use that. All okay. right. We're going to clean out the refrigerator. All right. Uh, first item, let's see, is an entire, Jesus, how big is this? Five liters of Franzia red wine. I thought somebody took that. All right. We're going to set this all over here. All right. We go five liters. No, and it's not even opened. I don't even think it's open. Oh, it has been opened a little bit. All right. I thought James was going to take it. I don't know. He didn't. We have five liters of Franzia red wine. Okay, five liters of Franzia. I think it's blush. A half-empty box of Laughing Cow cheese. Oh, I think that's mine. I don't want it. A full, still-sealed uh, fifth of Jägermeister. Ooh. This is the one that Lucas Rossi from Rockstar Supernova gave us. So we have a whole bottle of Jägermeister still sealed. A half a package of bologna. That's is this, mine too. Really? Okay. Uh, let's see. You have a lot of cheese in here. Another half package of uh, Snacker Cuts Mild Cheddar Cheese. Yours? I don't think so. Oh, yes, it is mine. A half a tub of cottage cheese that is, I'm afraid to open, frankly. Yeah, I bought oh, that about Oh, man. Six oh, it's black. Ago. Oh, God. Oh, it's don't black. Shut it. Oh, this cottage cheese is black. Black like the black like Oh, the, like you haven't seen something similar in your Black like Timmy Ryan's heart. Uh, let's see. A sealed package of Lunchables, ham and Swiss Lunchables. That might be mine. No, that's from the Scotty drinking thing, I think. Uh, oh, I did. I bought it for him. An empty package of Lunchables. Oh, man. One of the pieces of, like, meat fell out of the Lunchables. It's Listen to this. That's a piece of meat. 
from the Lunchables. Jesus. What is this? Oh, God. Is that oh. a urine sample? What is this? <laughs> That's mine, too. That's some pomegranate juice, but it was really disgusting. And it's been opened and then closed again. Oh, I spent like three bucks on that sucker, too. Half a bottle of Thunderbird. Some Blue Sky Seltzer. Half a bottle of Night Train, Sarah. Oh, yum. I hope Les Moonves is listening. Uh, a bottle of Session Lager. A quarter bottle of Mad Dog. A PBR Tallboy, 24 ounces. A bottle of Moxie. Oh, the Tallboy's mine. Okay. A bottle of Moxie. Three quarters of a bottle of Boone's Farm Apple Wine. Some Rockstar Roasted Coffee Drink. Oh, I want that. Okay. Can I, I just put that in like a All week right. ago. A Lean Cuisine Pizza. That's mine. A bottle of Corbel Brut Champagne. I think this is the one the Marconi Show gave us. No, I stole the oh. fancy one. Well, where did we get All this right. other champagne from? I don't know, but I'll take it. All right. And finally, a bottle of Martinelli Sparkling Cider. There you go. So, what of this do you want? And what should we keep? I want the Rockstar and the Champagne. All right. Please. Do you want to take it home with you? Yeah. All right. Do you want me to go through the whole list? Yes. All right, five liters of Franz, yeah, half a wheel of Laughing Cow Cheese, a, quart, um, a fifth of Jaeger, half of a pack of bologna, snacker, cuts cheddar, black cottage cheese, uh, full Lunchables, empty Lunchables, pomegranate juice, uh, half a Thunderbird, Blue Sky Seltzer, half a Night Train, one uh, Sessions Lager, a quarter of Mad Dog, PBR Tallboy, Moxie, three quarters of a Boone's Farm, Rockstar Coffee, Link Cuisine, Pizza, Brute Champagne. And it Martin seems Ray wrong Cider. to throw away How alcohol. How could that all fit in there? That fridge was overloaded. All right. What brand is that champagne? Uh, it is Corbel. I don't know if that's good. You know what? If it's not, cooked, you know, it's if, okay if, with me. so, so this is not the Marconi Show champagne that they gave us. Well, maybe it is. I don't know because they brought us one, but then we also had another one. Where did we get else. the other bottle of champagne from? I don't know. It was really expensive, though. I drank it, and then I felt bad, and I priced it, and it was like 60 bucks. All right. Did you drink your absinthe? No, I still have it, though. All right. Well, are you going to take us home today? Yeah. All right. So here we go. I'm going to hand you the champagne. Thank you. Careful. And this bottle of Rockstar, Rockstar Roasted Coffee Energy Drink. Thank you, Rick. I'm going to have to put the rest back in the fridge for now. All right. Well, we can run it by Aaron tomorrow. I think Aaron is in tomorrow, Aaron Duran, and we'll see if he wants any of this. I think you know, some of the wine. Give the rest of the Pimp Squad... They can have, like, a pimp party? Yes. All right. For their pimpology? All right. I'm going to put this back in the fridge, and we'll figure out what to do with it tomorrow. All right. Uh, how long until we were done? That was actually perfect timing. I start the music in about three seconds. All right. Hold on. Wow. There's a lot of alcohol. Are you sure you don't want the champagne? I'm fine. Hold on. I'm going to bring this over to Kiki's for ladies' night tonight. Uh, tell her I said hello. I will. Uh, all right, and Lunchables, and I packed this incorrectly. Now, the front you hear that? That's the closing music, Rick, right? The is not going to fit back in. Thanks, people. All right, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents James Roop and Steve Kastenbaum. Also, uh, Howard Rodman for the Writers Guild of America. Tomorrow, Aaron Duran will be in the studio. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the loving talent of Derek Sloan for AM 970 Solid State Radio. The newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, thanks to the Pimp Squad. Like us next. Don't let the masters grind you down. Thank you to Susan Reynolds and Bridget from upstairs. See you all tomorrow. Bye now, my friends.
All right, that's enough. <laughs>